Please, please be advised. The Kind of Movie Critics podcast may contain spoilers. This includes most of the movies you're going to want to see. This shit also contains profanity, so there's that. Enjoy. Yo, yeah, it's Treasy. Hey, hey, this is Corey. It's Martin the Mailman. And I'm Young Leezy. Kind of Movie Critics, you know? We had to we had to assemble for they clone Tyrone. I wasn't gonna miss this one. You know what I mean? Why are you making that face, Lizzie? For the for the listeners. <laughs> uh, You've been MIA in the chat, yo, like more than anybody. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More than Jesse. Damn. <laughs> Shout out to Jesse. Shout out to Jesse. What up, Jesse? Yeah, what yeah, up, I, Jesse, I forgot Jesse, Jesse was still in the chat. Yeah. He is like, still in the chat. That's funny. Yeah. Chandler, Chandler said, uh, on Saturday, he was like, I keep getting scared. Y'all going to kick me out. I was like, we even kicked Jesse out. Why would we yeah. kick you out? <laughs> Jesse could come back tomorrow. We'd be like, what's up? What up, Jesse? Oh. If Jesse was like, I got an episode I want to do. Like, all right. Like, exactly. <laughs> whatever. Exactly. Yeah, no, I've been, I'm sorry, man. I've been a little busy. Plus, the notifications, for whatever reason, I haven't really been getting them to my phone. And then I'm just terrible with text messaging anyway, man. It's just I'm, I'm horrible all the way around. So no excuses, but that's the only excuse. I feel like the worst cousin that's like, you coming to the family reunion? Like, nah. that was me with, with they clone Tyrone for like the past three weeks. Yeah, nah, I get Thank it. Thank y'all. I'm glad, I'm glad you did it though, because they clone Tyrone's that shit. And um, real quick, man, before we get into it, uh, we got a special guest with us, man, uh, a, a fellow scholar, longtime listener, kind of movie critics, my homeboy, Brandon, on the microphone. What, and a space up, champion. Oh, yeah, yeah. And a space And one detail that Trees left out is uh, we went out on a dime. The last hand that we ran was, was the demo. We ran a dime, man. Shout out to Kristen and Gerard from And Then We Had Sex Podcast where we whooped everybody ass and they, and they housewarming in their new crib. So congratulations well, well, to them. Um, absolutely. But uh, this is going to be a thick-ass conversation, man. I've been seeing a lot of... Uh, this 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 film has inspired so much conversation online and just in my personal life that I just feel like this is going to be a very thick, dense conversation. So, um, why do you keep making faces, Lizzie? What I want to set some ground rules about what Martin's going to feel me on this one. We're not comparing. We're not comparing this to, to Jordan, Jordan Peele. Peele. Okay, that's fine. Okay. Thank you. We can't I, we can't even mention get out though. I'm gonna mention it. I'm gonna mention it. <laughs> but the only reason why I'm gonna mention it is for a specific reason. Uh, okay, because, well, because he kinda I, he kinda birthed well, this genre. Well, they, uh, it, they are no, comparable. He, didn't. he did not. He didn't he birth did this genre? Not. No, stop it. What what really? you mean? What what, what genre am I talking about? No, what am you I talking t- about? No, no, you tell me. Cause because you we called it genre bending, so is is either yeah. genre bending or it's not? Yeah, this is. See what genre- you did? You you reverse psychology in me right now, and I don't like the shit. No, because no. <laughs> I said we wasn't going to talk about it. Now I meant that shit. Well, you said no, we wasn't going to compare it. it, but like no, we're, okay. we're, we're we're talking about it. Yeah, just like these films that that like span multiple genres. You can't really put them in a box. He kind of he kind of like birthed that for this, you know, for for black film. I think, you know, in my opinion. But who am I? You know what I mean? That, well, you got another vote right here. I, I'm, I, I, I don't understand where, where Lisa. I think she just that you might need to explain more so what you mean because I think I don't think she understands what you. No, no, I understand what he means, but I see what y'all are doing here. I'm about to, I'm about to figure out how to kick you off the Zoom, Brandon. <laughs> 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 I thought we was gonna be boys. 
That's funny. But but be, be, you will not get me a second time. Okay, I promise I will. But let's let's so <laughs> before we get into the convo, uh, you know we had big movie openings with Oppenheimer and Barbie. Oh, but even before we get into that, man, can we just give a, a rest in peace to Angus Cloud, who we just found out passed away today from uh uh Fezco from Euphoria Fezco's and also. Gone. Yeah, yeah Fesco died, bro. That that came in like an hour before uh before we jumped on the on this joint. Twenty five years old. Twenty five years old. You know, him and Pee Wee Herman passed away today. Paul Rubens. Oh, Derek wow. for Derek for real. Derek for real. Paul Rubens, yep. Pee Wee Herman. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So, so yeah, man. Somewhat of a sad day. Um, you know, Angus Cloud was young. We were big fans of Euphoria over here, so that's a blow. Um. But yeah, yeah. So let's talk about Oppenheimer and Bar or what do they call it? Barbenheimer? Bar- yeah. <laughs> is that is that what it was, Martin? Yeah, Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer. Uh, like the meme that came out of the internet when they found out that these w- movies were gonna be released on the same day. I didn't double feature it. I didn't bike the bike it, but no, I didn't I've either. seen them both. I do think we- I'm the only one who saw Oppenheimer. Yeah, that's yeah, crazy because we we had Christopher Nolan like we did a uh, podcast stand po- uh, podcast group over here. Yeah, yeah. So I just yeah. I just looked at the three hours. I don't know what it is. When if it's if it's a Marvel movie and it's three hours, I could kind of be like, I right, I'm gonna do that. But when it's like a Christopher Nolan, not necessarily Christopher Nolan, but the fact that it's like a biopic mm-hmm. and it's three hours, I don't know. It just, I just not in a rush to go like sit for three hours in a theater and watch that. Even though I definitely want to see the movie. It'll fly by. Oh, so yeah. is it pronounced biopic or biopic? It's biopic. There oh, we go. So I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. I always mess it up. Pigeon hell. Pigeon hell. Y'all just trying to make me be wrinkled because yeah. I'm just furrowing my brow repeatedly uh, here. I just want y'all to know I'm highly embarrassed. Uh, that's like one of the biggest embarrassing moments in my life, that pigeon hell thing. If that's anyway. the worst thing you got, your life ain't been that hard, bro. <laughs> well, t- yeah, you're right. So, you're right. I have a question about uh, oh, is it Oppenheimer? Oppenheimer? I don't know. Can you hear the movie? Because that has been the continual yeah, you can. problem with Christopher Nolan, Chris Nolan saying, oh, you know, my art is, you know, it, it's an artistic choice. No, dude, we, we can't hear your movie. Um, well, no, nah, you I can f- hear it. I okay. feel like the only movie that, that fell victim to that was Tenet. Interstellar yeah. was was like it started it a little bit with Interstellar, oh, and then I want to say even Dunkirk had some like, mm-hmm. fam, like we can't hear you, like mm. we, your movie is mixed in a way that it's just not it's not coming across like you think it is. That's but this mixed. movie, it's mostly dialogue, so I I think they yeah. would have to get the audio right. Yeah, yeah that don't mix like an old Wu Tang album. <laughs> out the trunk janks and and then too i guess the other question would be like to me tenant is like I, I really didn't like tenant and yeah uh, you know in hindsight i don't remember what i said on the podcast but i probably I, <laughs> but now i know i'm like i really don't like it and i, yeah. I was curious because like you know everybody's got a bad jay-z album so and i was hoping that you know open oppenheimer would uh you know, not be tenant because tenant was bonkers. No, I've been hearing really gotta, good things about Oppenheimer. Yeah, I just got a quick question about this. Everybody's got a bad Jay Z album. What does that mean? Kingdom well, Come. 
Well, because Jay Z to me, arguably, you know, one of the greatest MCs, and all his albums are relatively good. So, but if you got to pick one, you got to pick one that's not that good. Mm. You know, so if you had to rate, so that's what I call it. You know, there's a, there's a bad Jay Z album. So oh, Martin, I, I, thought that, that, I thought that meant that there was a conspicuously bad Jay Z album. That no. you know, that's what I was looking. For. Yeah, no. I, th- I think everybody has what they think is their worst Jay Z album. I don't yeah. think everybody agrees on which one it is. But, yeah, um, Cause, like, cause that's probably what would happen here if we had that conversation. Yeah, it's like arguably saying right. like most of Christopher Nolan's body of work is pretty good. So pretty like, false. if you told me I gotta pick one that's the worst one. Then mm-hmm. you know tenants up there, but that's how I feel about Jay Z's album. I, I still think there's you, parts of Tenant that that is amazing, like the oh, concept, yeah. yeah, like the the VFX shots, like mm-hmm. the ending, the way they like reverse like that entire sequence. I thought I always thought, even oh, if man. the movie you might not like it, I I feel like Christopher Nolan always does like dope stuff in his movies. Yeah, he pushes I mean, it visually like the, for sure. You like I guess it's like the Jay Z album where it's like there's still songs you're gonna love. Even you like Tenant less than Insomnia. Less than insomnia. What? Insomnia was amazing. Insomnia is... See, I told you we wouldn't agree. <laughs> insomnia <laughs> I mean, it was... is, is, is better than Tenant. Um, I, I, Tenant is wild. Tenant is Christopher Nolan unchecked, unhinged with $200 million. Like, it's yeah. just... It, it goes... I, I've been saying it on a few podcasts. A, a lot of these directors, like, eventually they get to a point in their career where they nobody checks them. So the guy who was known... For, for manipulating time and space, you know, maybe not so literally, then made a literal time machine, you know, time travel movie, and it just, it, it goes off the rails. It's, it's, you, a, it's a wild film. See, Lizzie, you just you, you kind of tripping on Insomnia. That's, that's, like, that's like volume one. You got to kind of go back and, and be like, nah, this John has some, has some bangers on it. Okay, you can say how you feel. I mean, that's how Man, you feel. I feel how Easter I feel. Robin, Robin cool. Williams. Yeah, you tripping. Out here being a villain. But and also, but I'm I'm, I'm into like crime, mystery, yeah. noir, sort of neo noir type Jones man. So I'm not mad at it. I, even though I don't know if I'll classify it as a neo noir, but um. Anyway. So Oppenheimer. Yeah, <laughs> Oppenheimer. So you you're the only person that saw it. I'm the only person that saw it. What, Me was, and the man friend went to see it. Is there is there anything that was like super memorable about it or? Um, like I like how he did like point of view changes he like had uh everything in black and white when it was from somebody else's perspective mm. there's like a big reveal um if you don't know oh, the Matt history of his really no he's <laughs> at the beginning of the movie oh but it did feel like a fucking where's waldo of white guys like mm. every white guy character actor you can think of like was in that jank in this motherfucking movie oh okay so what's what's my boy name um uh, Daniel Plainview, what's his name? Oh, what is his name? Uh, Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, no. so he so he's, he's in not, that jank. He's, he's a he big reveal. Retired. That's Last he time said, I read, he, he's retired. Yeah. But hey, but hey, he might he might he'll he'll come out the chamber for um uh, for Christopher Nolan. I'm sure the Safty brother was know. in it. Um, Benny, Rami Benny? Malik, the the one that played the slow brother. Yes, yeah, that was Benny Safty. Uh, Rami Malik's in it. Pass. Kenneth Branagh's in it. Okay. Um, I'm just seeing all their faces. Like it, it's a, it's a like you be like Robert Downey, Matthew. Rob, well, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah Matt, Damon. Matt Damon, yeah, just Affleck, Josh Harnett's in it. 
Damn, Josh Hartnett. How about Fat Damon? No, Jesse Plemons. <laughs> Jesse Plemons. <laughs> I'm watching. I'm watching the show he did with the Olsen joint on HBO. It's, it's pretty decent. It's decent. Yeah. They, they, it is she, it. she acted her ass off in that joint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Je- her as an actress. Jessica, who? Um, right. But yeah, it it was good. Um, lots of history, very dialogue heavy. I like some of the choices he made around like what to show and what not to show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I learned a lot. Good. And, Flor- and Florence Pugh got naked, and I was like, "Yo!" Oh, for real? Mm-hmm. Damn. Let me check out that matinee tomorrow. This is a good time that Jane plays. We'll have another car. conversation off mic because he gonna hit the eleven o'clock. Car when she when she got naked, I was like, I had questions about her heritage, so we'll talk off mic. <laughs> oh, oh, like that? She was packing. I didn't say that. I oh, said okay. I had questions about her heritage, something else, very specific. I don't think we saw her butt. Oh, but okay. anyway. We'll talk about it later. But yes. Okay. But I did not do a double feature, but I did also see Barbie because I had no interest. Um, if you listen to the previous episode, I was telling Mar- Martin, like, I'm not going to go see that shit. But my child. Mm-hmm. Um, here was the fun thing about Barbie. Erica, who uh, is my best friend, who's been on some earlier episodes of the show, mm-hmm. Shout out to went to see it before me and texted me and said, Barbie is cute. Mm-hmm. So I went to see Barbie, and when I finished watching it, I immediately was like, "Ain't nothing cute about this. this nigga ain't no Barbie's child not movie. cute." And she was like, "I thought it was." I said, "Mario was cute. Barbie was an existential feminist commentary. <laughs> like it was not. It was not cute." I was like, "Cute's a weird ass word." She was like, "Well, I texted you that twenty minutes in." I was like, "Yeah, the first twenty minutes are cute." Right. But um, I I am amazed that someone. Greenlit a, this this script from Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig. Like, well, we Greta Gerwig has the juice right now. She can do anything she wants on screen after Little Women and after this, Lady Bird too. Go huh? see this movie and you will understand why I'm saying that. Okay. I mean, Martin, Martin, like, um, is that wild for me to say based on what the movie is? Well, oh, what the somebody greenlit it? Yeah, uh, yeah. Because uh, what's her? Uh, what's the uh, woman who plays Barbie's name? Margot um, Robbie. Robbie. Margot, Margot yeah, Mar- she uh she was a producer on the movie. Like I think I don't know if she bought the script or she owned oh. the script, but she definitely picked her and uh Noah Baumbach to write the script. Oh so yeah, I think yeah. that helped a lot. Too. Yeah, that helped a lot with them being able to being able to make this movie. It's like you have her in your corner. Mm. And I think they uh Greta Gerwig asked her, like, could she direct it after they finished the script? So mm. um I I think that made it a lot easier for them to get this movie made. Um, Interesting. So so Margot Margot Robbie was the uh, she she was the one that the got catalyst. the catalyst. Yeah, wow. I thought it was I thought it was truly Greta Gerwig. I thought Me like too. Mattel came to her and was like, "Yo, no, nah, I don't think Mattel's that. going for that." <laughs> like Greta that. Gerwig off for of Lady Bird. Yeah, that's like a um Chloe Zhao situation where it's like it could go badly. But not off Lady Bird, off Little Women. You forgot about Little Women. Oh, yeah, Little, Little Women, Women did too. Little Women That's true. killed it, and it didn't it? Didn't who won something for that? Didn't Florence Pugh win something for that? Or did it I win? Don't know. Best I know she was nominated. Adapted screenplay or something like that. Yeah. So don't get me to lying. But I mean, yeah. Barbie. So, so lazy. Mm-hmm. Based based on the way you just put kind of like your overall assessment of the movie, it makes me feel like you feel like the like if the movie was never made, it would have been okay. Like, um, I mean, I'm I'm kind of indifferent on it because I think it opened like it pulled at a lot of threads, but never like resolved anything. Um, but I will say this: like, I'm not mad at the movie. It's just, 
I'm kind of mad at the way they marketed the movie. They marketed the movie completely different from what what it actually was. <laughs> and I can so see that. it's confusing. So, so having everybody show up in pink and then like showing them that movie is kind of like, yo, y'all are I, wild. <laughs> so but I, but I, I think I think it's wild that that you feel like the movie was marketed in a way that was deceptive because when I watched the trailer, I was shocked that I wanted to see a Barbie movie because the trailer the book, the movie was exactly, it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. I like, I, I said, okay, this trailer was accurate and I wasn't let down. So sure. I feel like the only reason why people showed up in pink and, 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 all, and all of their Barbie splendor, or however you want to put it, is because the brand itself was bigger than the message that they put out in the trailer. To they be didn't fair. see, they didn't see it. To be fair, I did not see the trailer. I saw all the social media marketing. Right, I was going to oh, say. So, I, so you, yeah. so you saw the people. You saw the people's reaction. No, I, I, no, so, no, 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 no. It, I saw the, I saw the people marketing it, like what they've done through social media to market it. See, yeah, when she was saying that, I was figuring she was talking about like, like all the um, merchandising, all like the, uh, like you know, like the television appearances. Like I think they were on the View or on the Good Morning Show, and it, it's like they pinked it all out. So I thought she meant like all and the peripheral like, stuff, the media Warner stuff. Brothers has like a home makeover show to build like a Barbie dream house. Like that's right. that's the way they're pushing it out. Like very much like bubble gum or whatever. Now, things. that doesn't mean that I thought the movie was was bad. I just felt like, oh, I and actually I'm glad it wasn't what I thought it was because I was that was why I wasn't interested. I was like, I'm kind of good. Right. But um. When, f- when you say things like The View or Good Morning America or any of those, like, I don't, I personally, I don't trust those don't things to get the truth anyway. So that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. When you get your idea of what something is going to be or what it really is from any of those types of outlets, no, uh, it's, it's not. No, it's he not said that. Job. I didn't yeah, say yeah, that. Yeah, I said that. So, <laughs> I, so, you did. You did. So for me, so for me, like, because. I'm not surprised it's what it was. Like, I haven't seen it, but I'm not surprised that that it turned out to be that. But I guess what I'm saying is if I had to go strictly off the optics of, like, the cross-branding that they were doing, they were doing it on, like, family-friendly platforms, you know? Like, so it, it, it made it, like, it made it almost seem like it was a kid-friendly movie. And then to hear that it's not, that's, to me, that's the shocker. It's like, oh, it's, like, it probably, it, it's probably more, like, teenage-friendly than it is like kid friendly, you know, like, uh, you know, 15, 16 and up is, is probably. I mean, I think it's, I think kids could definitely watch it, but a lot of stuff is going to go over their heads. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't um, take my kid to watch that movie. They would be so bored. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I, I feel no, like no, the, the there's funny scene, stuff in there, though. The opening scene of that movie is very disturbing. It's a, It was extremely disturbing to me. Y'all, you all weren't disturbed by that opening scene? What when like she wakes up and Lizzo is singing the song and she goes throughout her day? No nope. scene. <laughs> That's not the opening scene. Oh, I totally forgot what it was. <laughs> Damn. You you wanna That's, that's my memory of the opening of the movie, mm. but you, you care to expand, Brandon? Oh oh absolutely. So yeah. the opening scene, you, you all don't remember the prehistoric setting that they were in? Oh, oh yeah. But yeah, that's, that's like Greta Gerwig doing yeah. camp. <laughs> Yeah, that's a 2001 that, Space Odyssey. That's okay, what I say, Brandon? Uh, I was like, I bet you they did it like 2001 Space Odyssey, huh? Yeah. Like the way he was describing it. Man, I'm that nigga, bro. I'm a, I'm a cold-ass nigga, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that scene wasn't disturbing to y'all? 
No, it was not because it's, it's a joke. Yeah. It, 2023 like a, has done something to us that wasn't disturbing to you. Really? It's an it's an homage to uh right. Kubrick. Yeah. It's, it's, He's kind of saying like I'm in this I'm in this level of director basically. See you got see you like, see you probably got to see yeah. 2001 to cuz re- cuz it, it, it basically sound like it was a parody jank. Okay. It doesn't matter. It okay. doesn't because, because okay, so let me ask you this since I didn't see Odyssey 2000. It's Odyssey 2001 is the name of it. Uh, uh, 2001, 2001 Space, Space Odyssey. Odyssey. Yeah. Okay. In the opening scene, or in wherever they got that from in that movie, are there little girls killing babies in that? They're not killing no. babies; no. it's baby dolls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and no, it's apes like on rocks yeah. like that, like the okay. Dawn of Man. <laughs> okay, so 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 obviously we understand that they weren't live babies, but the image of little girls taking baby dolls, who they themselves kind of represent as alive. You know, like the connection that a little girl, those little girls that they had in that in that movie, they they love. You know, they had a connection to the baby dolls. Little girls had connections to baby dolls back then. They were taking us back in the past. They had names for them. They carried them everywhere that they went. They cared for them. Is that not accurate about a baby doll and a little girl? Well, the point that I remember them making is that they were talking about the history of dolls. And before dolls, um, before Barbie, dolls were babies, which meant that little girls were put in the mindset of mothering their dolls as Mm. opposed to like um, having imaginative play through the doll, not as a mother, as the doll itself. Mm. Um, So at the time when Barbie came, yeah, they started smashing the babies on the rocks. I did not find that particularly offensive, but that that was disturbing. To they, I'm, I'm sorry. Do they, <laughs> I thought they, it was funny. <laughs> they throw something up in the that air, is, like in Space Odyssey. The doll. Like the, doll the doll goes up yeah. in the air in slow mo and stuff. Oh. Yeah, and the monolith, yeah. like in Space Odyssey, is like Barbie. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I'm 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 concerned about the state of of the world. Oh wow. Well, listen. You went I want very you dark. Keep... I thought it was funny. Did you think it was funny, yeah. Martin? <laughs> but but yeah, because y'all know the source material. That's probably why though. And Greta Gerwig plays too much, like. But listen, but Brandon, I want you to hold. I want you to bottle that energy up, because they clone Tyrone is going to need it, right? And we we fit to jump right into that. Like I want all that dark energy for they clone Tyrone. Let's do Um, it. Let's do it, man. Um, I'm just gonna jump off the porch and start this whole start the motor on this bitch. This is my favorite movie of the decade so far. They clone Tyrone. Holy shit! <laughs> wow, that's big. That's big. big. There's only three big years. In, there's only three years in the decade, but I, I know. Yes. Okay. 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 Not the past. Not the, not past, the past ten, 10 years. years. No, 2020. The, the current decade. Yeah, oh, okay. the 2020. That's still 2022. Kind of that's still big yeah, for three years, but still. I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, what's a what's a what's a better movie so far? That I mean, what's y'all? What would y'all say is a better movie? So I far? haven't thought. You I mean, I like fucking come here for a quiz, my nigga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my favorite. Quiz hot shot. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I had a I, I think I had a better experience watching Spider Verse, but I could definitely see what you're saying about this movie. I I think what what hurts this movie is the fact that it isn't in theaters. I think if I saw this in theaters with like a full packed crowd, like I might lean more your direction. I I can see that. I I, I do wish I'd have got the theater experience out of this. But which what is one thing I think was dumb was like, why would you release this on like the biggest weekend in like theaters like this year come on that duh. makes no sense whatsoever I, I get that it's counter programming but it's like you couldn't push this back two weeks like drop your nuts man let your nuts hang 
Let you but know it, it completely got like overshadowed by like the the discourse of the other two movies. I don't know. I feel like I feel like there was room for all three of them. I feel like all three of them got their just due. Like I mean, but it's hard to say. Netflix doesn't release numbers, so we we'll never know how it compares uh, fiscally. But like, I feel yeah. like the conversations. I feel like the conversations on my on my X feed, not Twitter anymore, fucking Elon. But I feel like uh, my timeline. I saw more conversation about they clone Tyrone than any of the other two movies, to be honest. I, I mean, to to Martin's point, though, when you think about like um, like YouTube culture of like all the movie review channels and stuff, it was very niche people talking about this and not mm-hmm. like the main the mainstream people. Right. So I think like I think like Think Story did they clone Tyrone, but like mm-hmm. I didn't see anything on screen crush, no heavy spoilers, no. Um, the other one I watch, I can't even think. But they like pop the, culture the, did one. Pop culture yeah. happy hour did like a podcast, yeah. But yeah. they did two episodes on Barbie, and they spent like fifteen minutes talking about they clone Tyrone. So yeah, and or and, and you know maybe that's intentional. Maybe that's distraction. You know, so they can do all the cloning in a subterranean <laughs> laboratory. You know, all the distractions with the big blockbuster movies, and so they can mix and mingle below with the common folk or the people of Glen. Of the to, Glenn. I mean, to be fair though, like also the the people that I would normally call like your mainstream like movie YouTube people, your mm-hmm. emergency awesomes, all those people, like they're talking about Oppenheimer too. They're not really talking about Barbie as much right. either. But they're dudes. So there's that. Dudes. Okay. Well, so all right. So it, every was it it was enjoyable to everybody, but for Brandon and I, it's the best movie of the decade so far. Where the rest of y'all y'all it was just it was just good, a good mm-hmm. ride for y'all. I enjoyed it. Okay. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a fine, fine film. I will say for me, the 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 big big thing was I do find it to be probably in the top three to five for me for Netflix films. I did yeah, I would say that. Yeah, okay. I, I'm right now, I'm currently at the devil all the time, tied with Tyrone. Tom Holland, the Tom Holland. Yeah, I saw I Damn. saw the devil all the time. Was, I, I don't know if I would like that as much as this, but no, no, yeah. I'm just saying. Okay, hold on. Though. You forget <laughs> about Beast of No Nations. I meant as just my, fa- you know, what I thought was one of the better right. Netflix films because Production a lot too. of straight to Netflix tends to be straight to hot garbage, yeah. and um, straight to Basura. Yeah, straight to Basura. So I do. It is up there for me in terms of that, as far as being, you know, the straight to netflix um, roma roma you oh, well God. roma is a, hold on roma was <laughs> never intended i believe to be straight to netflix it was made and then they acquired they, it. it was a deal they worked out after they made the film did they acquire a, this one no i don't think so i don't know the details uh, either i'm but not sure about well, that but it says it's a, well i don't okay so i know macro is behind it that's charles king's joint but like I, feel, I mean, Just, I don't well, know. Did, it, I mean, Dittari Turner presents. and um, Jamie were executive producers on it, too. So yeah. I don't I, I don't know. That could go either way. I don't know the deals of those films, but I do remember, I want to say Beast of No Nation was the same way. It was intended for theater, and then I think it had a small happened. theater run. And then something happened. So I do, I, I think The Devil All the Time and maybe Tyrone, I don't know about Tyrone, but maybe they were always meant to be on Netflix because I, a lot of the straight to Netflix is like, yeah, like this, this shit ain't coming in theaters guys. Yeah. Gotcha. I, so. I think you're probably right. Cause you know, Jamie Foxx has been doing a lot with Netflix with like the mm-hmm. project power and the, yeah. so it's probably part of like an overall deal with him. 
um, where he probably just, you know, walked it straight to the front door and, and got it financed. So I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I feel what you're saying, Corey. This yeah. was the, the, a production that was fully intended to be presented by Netflix and yeah. probably financed by Netflix. But, um, OK, so um, uh, let's let's talk about I mean, there's so many entry points in this thing, man. I figured we could just kind of get the characters out of the way. Sure. You know, um, Slick Charles, the pimp, fucking Jamie Foxx, man. I'll, okay, I'll get to something later, but uh, where where are y'all at with, with Jamie Foxx's performance? Well, first of all, I owe Jamie Foxx a huge apology. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, I did want to say. I was, I was wondering when we were going to touch on this. Yeah. You have apology gone. For what? You've done like 15 summers of, of just hating. <laughs> okay, relax. Hating Jamie, Jamie Foxx. You've been Fox. hating Jamie Foxx. When you hated Jamie Foxx when he was good, and then you started liking him when he was kind of rough. And then Did we now ever you're... put out that episode, The Actors We Love to Hate? I don't know, I'm man. I'm not sure. I don't think we did. You but... was hating Jamie during the Ray days, like, bruh. <laughs> no, like... I gave him credit. I said, <laughs> I said, I, well, I said Ray. I gave more credit to the casting than I gave to Jamie yeah. Foxx until yeah. I saw a YouTube video with Jamie Foxx and, and, and Ray Charles. And then after that, I was like, after that moment, I took it, I took it all away. I was like, I haven't given Jamie Foxx enough credit in his career. And this film to me, you know, I mean, I've already been flipped. I've been flipped for the past maybe like two, three years now, giving Jamie his respect. But this one definitely helps cement it and say, like, I get this brother, man. I, I get what he's doing. And I, I like him a lot more than what I gave him credit for, to be honest. I just, well, nobody I asked, but uh, <laughs> this is the funniest he's been to me in a long time. This nigga was hilarious. Yes. Him uh, and Tiana yeah. have really good... Ca- well, I mean, she can do no wrong. I fucking yeah. love that bitch. But yeah, I love her too. He was hilarious in this movie to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was his yeah, favorite he- line? What was your favorite line? Oh, we said a uh, nigga do need fresh air. <laughs> he got out the car. <laughs> <laughs> Her pimp is famished. My blood sugar. Um, yeah. Listen, it, it, he has so many one-liners that like I couldn't. Like, he, he said, I tried to offer you my beige bitch for free. <laughs> <laughs> that was tough. That was a tough one. Oh my gosh. That like that's the like, and he just kept, I don't know if he was like improving, just like I'm on my pimp shit. I'm just gonna say whatever. But like it, I really did enjoy his performance. Um and this movie, like I said, is the funniest he's been to me in a very long time. Yeah, I can see that. I yeah, see I, that. I and I, I made this point to uh, to Treasy before. I at, at one point I didn't think he was I didn't think he was doing a good job. I actually said because of how I felt about Wesley and uh, Dolomite, mm-hmm. I was like maybe it should have been Wesley instead of him. But mm-hmm. but but at some point. I don't know if I'm right about this, but when you think of black sport, black exploitation films, the acting is bad. You know, it, it, it's bad, and I and I felt like there were times where it was real black exploitationy, and and that's when I was like, okay, I kind of get what he's doing because you got these characters, and I'm sure we're gonna get there. The characters don't match up errors; like they wouldn't exist in the same time, mm-hmm. and and the way he delivered some of the things, it seemed it seemed. Like bad acting, but on purpose. After I caught it, mm. okay, yeah, I follow you there for sure, for sure. But uh, yeah, it it worked from the beginning for me. So so okay, so all right, so Slick Charles Fontaine played by John Boyega, aka Tyrone, and then um, Yo Yo, the prostitute. 
um, who I absolutely loved in this film. Like you said, I'm with you, Lizzie. She can do no wrong. Um, but she she really turned it up on 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 this film, man, and had all the Nancy Drew references. She was she was the movie reference queen. They had a lot of little like movie reference jumps, man. The, the blood sport playing in the break room thing, and uh, you know, Clockwork Orange references. I mean, they had they had a lot of them going on, man. There was a real deep Easter egg that like Brandon had to point out to me, and I'm so glad he did. Um, what was the Clockwork Orange reference? When the girl oh. had her eyes like, oh yeah, 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 in the in the video. Okay, cool. But, and I think when they went into the um the bathroom, they even said it, it was like, man, they got some some Clockwork Orange shit going on around here. Oh yeah, which I did think was was a random piece of dialogue for the film. Yeah, but I, I understand though. I was like, ain't no way in hell this nigga this nigga character in real life seen seen Clockwork Did anybody orange. else notice the anaconda beard? There it goes, Brandon. Go ahead, jump in there. Brandon, absolutely he pointed so, out to me. So, so are you a fan of uh, Black Dynamite, Lazy? I don't know that I've ever front to backed it, but I do remember that. <laughs> so. oh, okay, yeah. I mean, Anaconda Malt Liquor is is probably the most conspicuous reference you can pull out of that movie. So when I saw it in the first scene, I was like, okay, so this movie is definitely paying homage. It was one of the first things that you see. But I, but I told Treasy, you know, to make make short of it. Um, I, I told him, I said, they they made the same movie. Mm-hmm. They, it's the, they, it's the they same basically movie. remade um, Black Dynamite. Yeah. But obviously they did it, they did it in a genius way. Yeah. Um, but that Black Dynamite is one of my favorite movies. So that had me geeked out from the beginning. Yeah. They for sure, you know, I went back and watched Black Dynamite after Brandon told me that for sure Black Dynamite and They Clone Tyrone are definitely set in the same sort of like on the same foundation, you know, um, and in the same, even down to like, you know, them kind of solving the whole or like getting on the trail of the mystery in the, in the chicken spot, you know, uh, black dynamite it happened in a similar way, you know, and basically in Roscoe's chicken and waffles before it was chicken and waffles, you know, and, and that set, and they had the, almost the exact same conversation or a conversation where like, basically they started, you know, uh, pulling the thread, you know, the thread of the whole mystery. Um, and figuring out, you know, what, what what the dilemma was and and what the conspiracy was. I do I do want to circle back to something you just mentioned, Brandon. But I do want to give um, uh, a, a honorable mention to the character of Biddy. She had some great one liners too, <laughs> especially Funny. when they came to kidnap. Uh, when they came to kidnap Yo Yo, and she was like, Yo Yo. Oh, looking like Carmen San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> that was that. Yeah, that was. I tough. see you, <laughs> She had me weak when she was when they was going through the plan, and she was like fake giving hand jobs, fake giving yeah. hand jobs <laughs> to, like, <laughs> to get the plan out. So, so, so the movie wasn't short of comedy at all. Like the comedy pretty much was woven throughout. Like, would y'all would y'all build this as a comedy first or like a like a science fiction film first? I don't call it. I do comedy. I call it a black exploitation comedy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I feel like I feel like it's more of like a mystery thriller in some ways, Mm. just because like I feel like the funny character is mostly Jamie Foxx. Like I heard somebody break it down as the three characters are like in three different movies. Like um, Mm -hmm. John Boyega is kind of in like a wire s like drug dealing like dark drama. Yo-Yo is kind of in like a mystery movie. 
like a detective mystery movie and um Jamie Foxx is in like a screwball like detective comedy and the, and it's like all these three characters have these completely different tones that would be at home in different movies but they smush them all together to make this which I thought was interesting. I think that's why everyone could look at this movie and find like a different genre or a different way to describe it. Right. And that's where the Jordan Peele reference comes in, Lizzie, the one that you didn't want to talk about. So I've been saying that, like, to me, Get Out, Sorry to Bother You, and They Clone Tyrone are all in the same universe in terms of, like, uh, in terms of tone and in terms of, like, uh, like exactly what, you know, Martin just said and just ac- spanning across multiple genres in that way. Well, you wouldn't agree with that statement, Lizzie? What what did I say about Boots Riley Martin on the last episode? <laughs> what did I say? Oh, he said makes so much. smart smart movies for <laughs> oh, hood niggas. Smart. No, I yeah, said he so. makes art films for hood uh, niggas. Oh, art yeah. films for hood niggas. <laughs> yeah, I mean tonally they're very different um, to me, mm-hmm. but in terms, I don't think like the black people taking on like white supremacy and, and the degradation of our communities as a intentional plot is new mm-hmm. um agreed like not a yeah. thank you yes yeah. <laughs> um, homie the fucking clown like i don't i don't think it's new so, yeah. so like um can i say that like he he his piece of art is groundbreaking and and i appreciate that i do i just it was a comment i made on the last show like i just i would i would love for us not to every time someone starts to tell the tell these types of stories for us for us to have to say his name to make the comparisons well we don't you know we don't want we don't want any erasure to happen we want to know like well, how... it doesn't er- it doesn't erase him but like i think that our art at a certain point we should be able to stand on its own um and not constantly have to harken back to what he's doing I so agree. I just I just don't like I just don't like that. It was fine for a second and now it's just like every time a black person makes something. I mean, it, I get that. That's in the not sense a Tubi that, movie. <laughs> we gotta talk about Jordan yeah. Hill. Mm-hmm. It's harder for like black artists to coexist, uh, because we have like a much smaller space. So when you think about like Wes Craven and John Carpenter, like people would always like compare the, their movies to each other and say mm-hmm. who's better and have those conversations when you have a black artist who's doing a similar thing where I don't know if it's necessarily us but or the culture is more likely to be like no only one of them can be that guy basically or one is better than the other and well, but I mean I, I don't think it's, it's exclusive to our culture I mean I, I think it is to some degree you know I mean we still do it in basketball we compare every nigga to Jordan you know yeah. like it's 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 just like when somebody does something at a high level they become the bar and I mean, we, I mean, shit, if, if a white dude come out right now singing, soul singing and dancing, who we going to compare him to? Post Malone. <laughs> no, nigga. Thank you, Martin. He, not, no. Thank you, Martin. Was he, were you serious? He can't be serious. <laughs> Vanilla Ice. Um, no, get out of if, if a if a if a Justin good, Timberlake exactly. Justin Timberlake. Thank Justin you. Timberlake. If a white dude came out singing soul and dancing, we gonna compare him to Justin Timberlake. That's not sure. Justin Bieber. No, nope. Justin Timberlake. Justin Timberlake. Come on, Lizzie, okay. don't do that. You did know. Justin Bieber not come out and do that? And did we compare them? And he was a kid, just like Justin too. But he didn't come he out was singing doing no pop, soul though. like. Ju- yeah, yeah, he, he was, was pop. Doing okay. Pop. Yeah. A, a better, what? I think, 
maybe a better what, argument would have been. What kind of music did Justin make for y'all? Don't even do this because yeah, I love I love Justin Timberlake, but like let's not. Maybe, right, we're uh, way maybe, off topic now. <laughs> maybe Eminem would have been a good one. You know, like every white rapper that comes out gets compared to Eminem. There you, you go. Know? Like uh, every uh, single one, regardless yep. of what type of rap you make, it, you're getting compared. Mm-hmm. To, you know, to Eminem. That's so. very true. Shout out to my yeah. Yahoo. So anyway, <laughs> um. Hold on. I, just just one thing on the topic of how it agitated you guys to, or I think Martin felt the same way. Jordan Peele coming up agitates you. Why do we have to compare him to everything great? So I think the reason for that, I think I think you got to kind of be go easy on that because it's really more about our position and time and the culture, like America itself is you know we spent a long time building america and not being considered human beings for a very long time so our culture itself is uh is not the same age other people have had the same had had a lot a longer amount of time to kind of curate things we're getting into newer industries and things are just new so as you know somebody might bring up martin scorsese you got I'm the most kind of movie critic you could be because I don't watch a whole lot of movies. So I don't have a lot of those references. Mm-hmm. But but as it pertains to culture, I think there are a lot of things that are new for us. So you're going to have these people who are first and they're going to get mentioned more often than not because there are not as many references to to call on. But as time goes on, when we, you know, when we're no longer, like you won't hear Jordan Peele's name yeah. It's gonna be somebody else. So yeah. I, I agree with everything you just said, but to also like to that point, like he's he's not first in terms of like um the subject matter or exploring this kinds of things. He is the first one to really be recognized in the mainstream for it. And so everything that comes after it has to be compared to him. Again, I'm not taking anything away from it. I think he has made some excellent work. Yeah. I am um, very glad that he's walking people in. He's very important. But mm-hmm. I think that at a certain point, like, we do ourselves a disservice to set the bar at him. Like, I get you. So, um, it's, it's, and it's okay to, like, be like, okay, we're Black. That's cool. But, like, we all have to make money across this entire landscape. So, if we set the bar at him, like, anything you do can never be as good as that. Like, I, get what I don't saying. really think that's fair. Yeah. So it's it's not a jab. It's not a jab against him. I'm just like every time a black person makes something that's like not boys in the hood. Well, Jordan Peele, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, man! Can we just talk about the people in the room? The people, yeah. I I, I, I know we want to move on. I just want to say this: the the first doesn't get the 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 championship ring. The best does. So has Jordan Peele not done it the best? Because you keep saying the first and the. The first of things don't necessarily set the bar. It's who's well, the best. Well, then I, we, I think we say the best. It gets it gets subjective because right, it, it, like the we say it's the best maybe because it had like it, it grossed the most. You know, like it's like it's like the album sales or the classic album conversation. You know, like um, so I, I think that starts to get into the weeds of it a little bit, um, and that, and that does get subjective. I, I do I do understand what what Lizzie's saying. I, I see it from both Me sides too. personally. I'm, well, I'm not taking anything away from it because I yeah. love it. I, yeah. And I'm and I I'm you know like I said I'm excited even though like we're waning on that because I'm like okay you really talking over our heads but, a little bit and it's annoying. But but I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna tell like, you why. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna tell I'm sorry to cut you off. I'm gonna tell you why there's hope for it because we don't compare every movie to a Spike Lee movie and every black movie to a Spike Lee movie no more. You no, know what I mean so there's and there I think was a time when that it. happened. So there's hope for it. John Singleton mm. couldn't breathe. Right. 
<laughs> so, right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so there's hope for it. Um, all right, so I, I, if y'all can help me iron this out, so Yo Yo, there was there were some references that she made, <laughs> like when they all right. So when she was doing some of her sales pitches, trying to like get Johns or whatever, she did some sales pitches like Yo, David Carradine gonna cost you more than fifty dollars. You know, like she, she she made reference to David Carradine. She made reference to a Susan Sarandon and a Shalimar. I think I understand the I David understand Shalimar. I don't. So help me out. So so, so <laughs> what, okay. So Shalimar could go a few different ways, and I'm thinking that like maybe it's a night to remember. That's Shalimar what I would have said. Yeah. Okay, but see, that's vague. See, whereas like the David Carradine, obviously, I, I took oh, it as like. Oh, God. Okay, autoerotic asphyxia. Got it. Yeah, yeah. The David <laughs> okay. Carradine is the time, you know. Do you want to explain what that exactly what that was and what he passed from? You can. I mean, what he so so David Carradine died with a belt tied around his neck and butt naked, and I guess he was masturbating. And what would what, you say? Would you call that? Autoerotic asphyxia. Okay. I totally forgot about that. I thought I had forgotten they were about, about it too. Kung Fu. I was like, so I yeah, thought, that's what my, my thing. Was I was like, too, Kung, but I forgot. Yeah. Kung Fu, man. Yeah. Oh, okay. Or yeah. Yeah. Or kill, yeah. No, I, I thought that, like the way he passed, and then and then so that threw me off for everybody else because I was like, damn, what is Susan Sarandon got? Like, what was what was her reference? What was the Susan Sarandon reference? We gonna have to at your man's because I don't know. Who's at your, a rock, oh, Rocky Horror uh, Picture uh, Show, but I don't really know Janet. Damn it, Janet! Like, oh, is that like a three way? I don't know. <laughs> so, well, well, I know that there's is. I found like an article talking about it where Susan Sarandon there was there was like um, I guess there was like a, she had a string of characters where she played really quote unquote slutty characters. Um, so I don't know if it's just like an overall reference to like, you, you know, you know, homage to like characters that she's played over an array of time. Of just like over sexualized characters, so I, that's what I'm saying. It threw me off because the David Carradine was a very specific reference. Then, then they threw in Susan Sarandon and then Shalimar, and I was like, I "Is it really... Thelma and Louise like lesbian stuff or something?" Maybe that's what I'm saying. It it, it was hard to pinpoint. It. I was hoping y'all could help me iron it out. And well, you know what, my reference stepmom for, for... or some shit. She wasn't nasty in that movie. She I know. Cancer. I was being. I was being. Oh, but the snow blowing. <laughs> I got it. So. Snow blowing. Yeah, oh, Jesus, Father. Um, <laughs> the children. So, um, and my other reference doesn't make sense because if you just said a Tim Curry, that would have made sense, but not a not a Susan Sarandon. I don't know. Mm. So okay, so the Susan Sarandon still the jury's still out on that. Y'all agree that the David Carradine was probably the auto asphyxiate, whatever you called it. Yeah. And then the Shalimar, are we going to go with that was a night to remember? I guess that was where I went. That's where my head went. Okay. Is, yeah. w- w- that's what you, for you too, Brandon? Yeah, yeah, agreed. Night to remember for the Shalimar. Yeah, and I would imagine that, Corey, you probably didn't even know what Shalimar was. Didn't. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. If they'd have said <laughs> an Aerosmith, you'd have been I'll all let, in. I, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> or Eminem. All, yeah. all black people yes. love Aerosmith too. So, like... <laughs> Or meat, a meatloaf. So, so how about you, Martin? What would you say the uh, the um, the Shalimar reference? What would you say? I mean, I would say it's a night to remember. So, I would I would guess it's like the full package, like everything, like the combo, whatever, whatever. All the regular multiple shit. things. Yeah, it's when they like used to call around the world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's funny. Okay, so I thought that was pretty funny. You know that you know he had all these little pop culture references in there. Um. 
And, and, and that was a good one. So what does the Glen represent? Like, I, I mean, one, I thought it was Atlanta right off the bat, but where, where, where was the Glen supposed to be set in? Do y'all know? Well, he's, he's from Alabama. So he said a lot of this stuff, a lot of the, um, a lot of the places, it, it kind of is like his, not necessarily his community, but places where he used to grow up is kind of what he was referencing. I, I mean, it's just a hood in the South for real. I feel you on that, but in the store, he was like, I got that new ruckus fuck with me, show. I'm like, okay, this is yeah, day in Atlanta. And then to the find end. out that they weren't. So I guess this leads to another question, kind of circling back to um, Brandon's point earlier. We don't know when they are, right? Because there's things to suggest that like, they're in a bunch of different um I thought it was all frames. present day. Well, they have flip phones. Yeah. And yeah, all the none of the cars were up to date in the in this. And then right. the um, selling CDs I felt, out the trunk. I always felt like that was like by design. Like the they there, yeah. the the people are designing it. So, so like pimps from the seventies haven't changed until present day. Like people still have flip phones, like certain things in the community don't change because it's, they're like the constant basically in the experiment. So that's, that's what I was, that's where I was going. Thank you. I feel like the Glenn yeah. is the control group yeah. where they like launch shit before they put it out into the real world. Cause they were saying how they had labs oh. everywhere. So um, thank you for that, Martin. Cause you made my point. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. Okay. And that, and that and that goes along with what with what Glenn really means because I looked up the the definition of Glenn and it's a small hidden it's a small narrow hidden valley mm. is 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 the definition of it. So that's why that's why they named it that. Yeah. I'm gonna tell y'all right now, my nigga Brandon got so granular in his joint, bro. He was sending me text messages. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, but but every everything he was sending me was so on point, man. We just got a trail of like text messages where he got really into the minutia of, of of how he really felt, you know, all the correlations, man. So I hope you have a platform to kind of say some of that stuff here. Now um, you got me um, looking up to see if that's Glenn Close's real name. <laughs> oh, interesting. Interesting. Okay. So, um, all right. So it, it's the the it's deliberate for us not to understand exactly what time frame they're in. That's how I interpreted it. Like there, it was, there were multiple references to different things and, you know, a few movies and shows have done that where they're trying to be ambiguous mm -hmm. to that. But I imagine there's a point to it, but I definitely interpreted that very early. And, and, right. Yeah. And so, and, and I think, I think the reason why they did it outside of, I, I, I didn't think about it the way that Martin just put it where, or Martin and Lizzie just put it where it's a control group. It go, you know, it's a hidden valley and all of these things exist together because it's an experiment. But I think the like the social reason why they did it is because things are the same. Like mm -hmm. they 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 kept things the same by by the clone, by by making sure that we stay in the same trap the whole time. Yeah. So yeah. It's the same traps as been, you know, the drugs change, but the trap's still the same, you know, the the, the industry the industry has little nuances that change a little bit we went from back page to you know what i'm saying like the, the yeah. industry has nuances but it's all the same so I, I agree with that i agree with both man and i think that's part of the genius of this film is that there's so many different interpretations for whatever but we're all kind of in the same experience you know well um, one thing i thought was interesting is um i love black exploitation i mean this is one of my favorite type of uh, movies like black exploitation movies that are like referencing other ones or like or parodies or satires about other ones. Like I love 
I'm going to get you Sucker, Black Dynamite, of course, uh, Undercover Brother, and this movie are kind of like four movies I really like. But one thing I thought was interesting is that uh, Superfly, which is like one of the early, early uh, black exploitation movies, that character, he's he's the hero of the story and he's kind of like fighting against the man or fighting against the government that is trying to control him. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like he's a pimp. And obviously like that that's terrible. Sex, sexual exploitation is horrible and everything. But it, it is funny, like in this movie, like the pimp has been like co-opted and controlled and is actually working like for they whereas like in Superfly is like the origin of like the pimp in black exploitation movies was fighting against the man. Right. So I so, thought okay. it was cool how they did that. So so okay. So that's a good entry point into just talking about like the, the nature of the cloning, right? Like so that's to say is that are you kind of saying that like the function of a pimp is part of the control the the controlled variable? of like it, it's it's part of the initiative of keeping people in the trap and keeping people in the cycle Is yeah that- for sure i mean i i see it kind of like uh you remember 15 million merits mm-hmm. with uh, uh black, yeah. Black, mirror. black mirror yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah well, well where the character like you think at the end he's like broken free and he's rebelling against the government or rebelling against uh, this system. And you find out he's been co-opted and is now a part of the system. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is what they've done with like pimps, drug dealers, anybody in the community that could have been a threat is like now in the control group. Mm. And it's used to keep the, keep the Glen, keep that environment as a constant. Right. And, and they, and they did kind of say that, like, basically, you know, we keep, we keep y'all, you know, causing the melee and the distraction up here so we can do what the fuck we need to do down here underneath everybody's noses. Or did I, did I interpret that wrong? I agree with that. I got a question real quick for you, Martin, because I thought you were going to land in a certain place when you started talking about Superfly. Um, When you, like you just detail how Superfly is a pimp, he's so dope. Um, But at the same time, he's, he's sticking it to the man going, you know, going out saving the community in, in a sense. Um, so do you think, well, this is where I think that that land where it is, is the reason why Superfly is the hero and he and he is all of those things is because they want us to see, they want us to believe that the pimp is the hero and they, mm-hmm. they want us to, to replicate that. Is that. Is that what you were getting at? Um, I think in the original film, I Cause there is like a very there's a specific scene about um I think I think the movie is very much about like black capitalism and there's a specific scene about the Black Panthers right mm-hmm. and I guess the Superfly the guy he's walking down the street and a couple brothers come up to him they know he's a pimp they know he got money and they're like yo just like pitch in like give us some money trying to kind of like shake him down to like do something for the community. And he gives them a speech about how like they're self-righteous or they're wrong or none of that shit works. And I think the message is like, as an individual, you can fight against the man, but um, together, like you're going to fail. Or like the way the Black Panthers did it is like the movie was saying that they're gonna fail. But I, I, I think that's the message they were going for. But um, but I don't, I don't think at the time when they made these movies like they made the Mac in Oakland and Oakland was like a huge hub for the Black Panthers like I don't Mm -hmm. think they thought of these characters as being 
purely destructive to their communities at the time they made these black exploitation movies. Oh no, they definitely did in the Mac. That was the whole thing. Because the, the oh, brother yeah. was the black was in the Black Panthers, but the Mac was, you know, he was doing his thing and they were at odds and then, you know, and, and then the terror came to his mama house. You know what I'm saying? Like they they, yeah. they ended up killing his mama. And it was kind of like, nah, like the shit that you're doing as a pimp, you really causing the destruction in the community, you know, uh, you know, the, and no, they, they, that, that was like a whole plot device within the Mac, you know, like I said, with them, with his brother being, uh, you, you know, a right, revolutionary, right. you know what I'm saying? So they kind of showed it right there within the whole, within the household. Um, I'm with but, you, uh, Brandon. Also, oh yeah. dog. I'm with yeah. you. Also, <laughs> no, dog the, too. The, list, the list goes on and on. Yeah. They want this, us this to. I mean, Bishop. They they want us to look up to do, like it's a it's a recurring theme that like yeah. there's there's anti heroes for us to to emulate and like Absolutely. nobody watched Minister Society and thought like, damn, Kane was fucked up. Everybody left going, I want to be like old dog. Yeah, so old dog, yeah. yeah. But Black Dynamite, I sell drugs <laughs> in the community. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, okay. So so the so clones represents to y'all like us like um representation it's the know, trap pe- right people 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 become what they see is that, is that kind exactly. of it in a nutshell in a nutshell to me okay absolutely okay what we what we show you is is, is what is that's what it's gonna be i think whatever we show you I think to like to go further on that point, like the clones represent like negative stereotypes of black people and the things that are meant to uh, outwardly be shown as us ruining our own communities. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually something that uh, Fontaine says to what's J. Alphonse I- Isaac or whatever his name is. He's like, we're the ones fucking shit up out here. Right. So we need yeah. to work together to fix the shit. So, like, I think they're a representation of the stereotypes of how we are a detriment to ourselves, whereas the things you're seeing introduced by the ominous, they, Mm -hmm. um, are ways that we are subliminally influenced. um, And it's more of a clandestine influence on our communities to control us in certain ways through beauty, through religion, through food um, Mm -hmm. and drugs. So, I mean, like, there's a juxtaposition of that. And it, you see that the revolution comes on the side of the things that the people can control themselves. Mm. That's, a, that's, a, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that's what's up right there. Damn, you, um, you said something that I, I was trying to bookmark it to go back to it. Uh, and damn it. Yeah, it'll come to me. It'll come to me. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> yeah, it, you oh, okay. said something. That, it was something you said that I wanted to jump back in on and expand. On was it I clandestine? Said. That was pretty cool. <laughs> no, 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 not. It wasn't <laughs> a word. It was like it was uh, conceptually something you said that I wanted to like build on a little bit more. But um, um, so um, let, let's. So the. A lot of the fun that I've been having online and seeing just other people's interpretations of exactly like the like the different delivery devices that they used from the food to the, you know, like there's been a lot of good conversation about that. And, I, you know, I'm curious, I'm curious for, to, to get your perspective, Corey, like um, how did the messaging sit in on you? Like, how did you absorb this when you watched it? 
Um, what do you? I guess what are you saying? Do you, you're saying, do I understand it, or do I? Uh, I think. Do you, what do you mean? I think deeper than that, because I mean, I'm pretty. I mean, you're. I mean, I get. I think you understand it. I, I don't think that they were like. I don't. I wouldn't necessarily say they were like dog whistling to specifically uh-huh. our community, but like, like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm asking the question right. If if I'm sounding like I mean, racist anything, when I'm asking, it, it kind of. I mean, it, I'm not gonna say it reinforced stereotypes, but I mean, it just kind of it jumped down a few of them mm-hmm. with the church and the chicken, and the orange drink, and all that the stuff. Music. I mean, those are the music. I mean, these are, you know, for lack of a better word, they are the stereotypes. So, I mean, it and it, you don't need to educate me on that. Right. Um, maybe other random white guy maybe needs, <laughs> uh, but like, I, if you're asking. Maybe are you trying to figure out is it effective? Because that may not have been effective for someone who doesn't understand those things or doesn't understand stereotypes to any degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Um, it was one of the more forced things of the film. I felt, you know, like the more mm-hmm. a little bit more down your throat. You know, the st- just injecting those stereotypes. Pause. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Pause. I. So I don't know. I mean, so I guess. What interestingly enough, you said you used the term dog whistle. Um, I did watch an Easter eggs video from Duel Taylor, and he said that like in the spots where they're playing ruckus, mm-hmm. there he said he used like suboral um frequencies to like inject Morse code. So like there's really mm-hmm. so there's spots where like there there's uh words like interspersed in Morse code, like just at a low enough frequency, like where you can barely register it. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, Whoa. Two, One of those things is the club scene, by the way. Mm-hmm, mm. mm-hmm. And when they're riding in the car. Um, so what I also thought was interesting about what Corey just said is like, effectively, if I don't think like, because of the content that we cover and what Corey would choose to consume on his own and, you know, just his personal beliefs based on knowing him as a human being. Mm -hmm. I don't think any of this would seem far-fetched to him in terms of, like, understanding that these things are real Mm -hmm. um, and that we are affected by them. Whether or not there's a mask, well, some of the, I mean, the drugs is clearly, like, a mass conspiracy for our communities. Like, that's, like, a thing with verifiable evidence. But, like, whether or not, like, you know, there's carcinogens in, in perms to make black women have fibroids or, um, you know what I mean? Like the, a certain community, I'm not going to say who, um, owns the music industry and therefore like ramps up violence in our communities to drive our property values down. Like all of these things are, are things that like, I think the average black person walking around would agree are probably a thing <laughs> on right. some yeah. level. Yeah. Um, but like for someone like Corey, where like these kinds of conversations are not foreign to him, I don't know if like he's the right white guy to ask. Like he just said, yeah, <laughs> like, that that's where I was getting to. It's like I, I mean, I don't, I don't catch everything, but you're absolutely right. I think I'm not really your target audience. Um, if you're trying if you're, to teach him something, no. If you're trying to educate white people, um, I don't think that that's. I'm not really your your person for that. But the other side of it, though, too, is that one thing that. I, if I had to pick something that I disliked about the film, which I do dislike about art films in general, regardless of genre, when you started getting to that level, it it started feeling like we're we're grabbing at everything 
and we're throwing it into this film. And it gets kind of, it, 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 it sparks good conversation, mm-hmm. but then it takes away from, is there a, it, what's the film arc? You know, what are we trying to present to you? And, you know, and sometimes it gets really unclear. And I, I totally respect artists to say, you know what, I'm not going to spoon feed this to you. You got you to gotta just figure this out on your own. But then sometimes you start feeling a little overwhelmed by all the stereotypes, all the subtle messaging, all the little things. And, and it becomes, it starts getting just really convoluted in terms of what is the actual film you're trying to present. So I got a quick, quick question yeah. for you, Corey. Would, yeah. would you would you say you feel a similar way about the Matrix? No, I don't. But yeah. I think because the newest, the newest this, one. Because well, I would not no, consider the, that no, an artistic the very first film. Matrix. Okay. okay, I wouldn't or, consider that. Well, first of all, everybody knows I hate the last one. That shit can burn in hell. Um, I would not consider that in the same style of film because. Mm-hmm. To me, it is a film that has artistic merit. Many films have artistic merit, but there's a more traditional story and a more traditional trajectory with the film. I would look at this film in the same way as A Clockwork Orange, as a 2001 Space Odyssey, as a, um, a Get Out, sorry. Whoa. Um, this is and, a Messiah film, just yeah. like The Matrix, bro. So, okay, yes. I'm talking so, about presentation. <laughs> okay. Presentation. No, I, I get exactly what so, Corey's saying. Oh, you yeah, know what I, I mean? I, I, when no, you go I down get, the... I, hyper when you go down hyper artsy when you're like we are watching an artsy film yeah. um what was the other one you mentioned that had um boots riley yeah something some, sorry, sorry to bother, bother you. you sorry to bother you very like artsy like you need to be you know in a very different state of mind i dialed think to in. really watch dialed in to watch yeah. these kind of films whereas the other film you mentioned I mean, you mentioned the matrix I, I still consider that a pretty just straightforward action film interesting so, but but see, I just gotta say that my reason for asking you that is because like when you when you get into a style conversation when it comes to like the art and films, I, I, I that's that's my not my qualification. Like that's that's out of my wheelhouse. But from a purpose perspective, I think that um that the Matrix and they clone Tyrone, that's where that conversation I think is valid because the per this is a black exploitation sci fi matrix yeah like I, that's I, that's what this movie is to it, me. There, there definitely feels like some intersectionality in mm-hmm. between in between what the matrix is saying and what this is saying to some degree and and, then, and and just real quick there there are matrix direct references from the matrix in this movie talk to me he freed his mind and he woke up uh mm. yeah but but even still um what what was the what was the driver's name um the 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 well he wasn't just a driver he the first time we saw him he was driving Kiefer Sutherland oh, oh uh, Chester yeah, yeah that's yeah, Chester. Y'all, y'all y'all didn't catch that that was Agent Smith where, where y'all at with this whoa uh, where where y'all at with this okay I did I I I, I in in mm. say more I can see why you say okay. that I can see no, why you elaborate say that. no no but I can prove it <laughs> okay. you you remember the fight scene mm-hmm. between them two where mm-hmm. where it was one on one. Between Tyrone and uh, I can't remember Chester. His name. And Chester. Chester. Yeah, Fontaine Chester. And Chester. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I said Tyrone. Between Fontaine and Chester, y'all couldn't see the. He had on a black and white suit, just like Agent Smith, mm-hmm. and they and they and they had a one on one battle, the same way that Neo and um, mm. and and Agent Smith. 
I guess I can see that being a being a a, a reference point for that. I can, now that and, you mention it. And then, and I know we're gonna get get there, but and then when we when you get to the um to the scene with uh, I'm bad with names, and I don't even remember if they called his name. Yeah, I don't know his he, name either. Yeah, when when he made it to the the original. Like the architect from the Matrix, yeah. Yeah, when he made it to the architect of the Matrix. I mean, but you see what you just said and what I just said? He made it to the architect of the Matrix. Yeah. The Matrix is is definitely referenced directly. It's the allegory of the cave. Yeah. Yeah. It's also like, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I like this. I like this. So, so, all right. Do do I, I'm gonna tell you what I don't think. I don't think the general public understood the mission, the entire mission that OG, the the original Fontaine, what the vision was for this entire thing, this entire operation. I think that that went over a lot of casual viewers' heads. Do y'all want to jump in and give your theories about what this, what the entire plan was? I mean, I, I have mine. I can start. We, but the original Fontaine theories? died, right? The the original Fontaine died. No, no, he did not. Yeah, he, he was shot, on the he table. Shot him in the head. He was shot at the end. Yeah, he, yeah. he was on the table. Oh, you mean like in the film? I thought you meant like did he die previously? Mm-mm. Okay. Yeah, OG Fontaine. Yeah, he got. He ended up getting killed by Chester. No, he got killed. Well, he got killed by them. What we're talking about the original, original Fontaine, right? The one that got shot in the. Oh, you mean the lot. original clone and then that he, we see? Yeah, yeah, he's dead. Oh, oh no, you're talking about the original, original like the old the man, guy, the geneticist the old who man. made everything. Okay, that's what you're talking yeah, about. The architect. Okay. Yeah, Bro. yeah. Do 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 is there is there what was the overall plan for the whole shit? Basically, that um, he he was fearful for what would happen to black people, and so he figured that the it's like a respectability politics thing. It's like we can assimilate to be like you, and then things will be better for us mm-hmm. um, if we play by your rules. So, all right. So to break so, that but, down, but even but 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 like on it, like on the surface of that, but like in the narrative. He wanted to physically assimilate into like just basically erasing black people, and we would become white. Yeah, he wanted to turn everybody white, like everybody yeah. white to 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 circumvent a race like the race war, like yeah. the, like you know the the racial history of America, and and because because of the pain that his brother being killed by a white police officer caused on him, is is that correct to say? Mm-hmm. Yes. So y'all caught, so y'all caught that all the like the white dudes with the afros were really black men. Y'all yeah. caught that, right? They, they say that yeah, in the exposition, Jackson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Just want to make sure because I think that went over. So you know when I'm when I'm talking like casual you know viewers' heads, they're like I don't think they really grasped like what the entire operation was about. Um. So I just wanted to make sure we kind of put that out there. That was the point. That was the. So they start, well, okay, that was the secondary goal. The initial goal was to clone these people so that they could control different sectors of like black communities and to take it a step further, like the long-term goal was to um, to like basically erase blackness, like so that the, genetically we would no longer exist. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. So I think I think before before we pass off past the the white dudes with the pros, which I think that is the the most direct point that they were making that they were black men with afros, mm-hmm. but the hair was stubborn. I, I know, and that's how we can usually tell each other when people right, try to pass. Right, <laughs> right. But the other thing, I, I don't know if y'all won't, won't rock with me on this, and I noticed Lazy earlier you avoided saying. Jewish or Jew, you said we're not going to mention them. I know they're pretty strong. You can say whatever you, know what you want to say. I will okay. not say that. <laughs> clear. She doesn't want to be audited. I got you. But um, I, I think I think they also represented Jewish people um, because we we the know hair. what mm-hmm. it, not well that the hair was the most conspicuous thing. But remember when they go into the lab and the first white, the first black dude. The first dude, Afro white dude that we see. <laughs> that now you got me nervous Jackson. about how to, you know, <laughs> how to put it. But um, yeah, he was dancing to Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you also had in the club that that, that was another one. Mm-hmm. Um, the DJ. So DJ. Mm-hmm. So, so 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 they control the industries that are closest to us. So it's kind of like they're the closest to the product that they're producing, and 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 it's 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 touching them. It's 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 kind of like. You know, you got your hands, you got your hands in the dirt. So, well, that's, I don't like calling it dirt, but right. the, the fact that the matter is they're closest to the product. And I think that they kind of like were a metaphor for Jews too. Because they they're most influenced the by the culture. Yeah, they're most right. influenced by the culture. So you Interest, got, interestingly you got, you got enough. Jack Harlow, you got Drake. Uh, you know I wouldn't call him a white man, but... But no, no, I'm not calling him but he is Jewish. He, he is Jewish. Jewish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so is Lenny Kravitz, and so is Slash. They ain't never did nothing to us. But, <laughs> but interestingly enough, Brandon, to your point, I was when I was rewatching it earlier. I was watching it with my daughter, and that's exactly what she asked me. She said, "Is this about Jewish people?" My daughter's sixteen, oh, and I was wow. like, "Sixteen." Uh. <laughs> wow. So wow. I was like, "I was like, uh." So. So me, so I don't, I don't she, think, I don't she, think, I don't think that was a reach for you. I don't think that was a reach. Okay, okay. Because that's exactly where my kid went, and she is not nearly. She not tapped in like that. She ain't. Man. You know, we. I tell. She ain't on this black power shit like I am. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's exactly where she went, and those are not the types of conversations we have. So, well, interesting. We had. It is, and it's not like she. She had questions about like why people were mad at Kanye. And I explained that not as my own opinion, mm-hmm. um, but what he was saying. And when she watched this, that's immediately where her mind went. Wow. That's Ooh. impressive. That is impressive. That is big. So I wonder, okay, so when when OG Tyrone was saying that, like, basically how I took it is he created the technology, the cloning technology, and then whoever, the, this devil that he he made the deal with, they they are industrializing it they are they are scaling the technology in order for they they're the ones that are giving him you know the resource to have this subterranean laboratory and to and to put this in different hoods like they're scaling it right he's not at the top of the food chain right right so so is 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 that it like who's that who would y'all say who would y'all you know guess is at the top of the food chain or did y'all make any assumption in that direction like who's above this i mean you know black dynamite it went all the way up to tricky dicky <laughs> you know tricky well, dicky mixing even even and that's funny um richard Nixon. yeah mm-hmm. but that's keeper sutherland's character's name is nixon um but whoa i didn't even peep that 
Me either. Wow. Nice. Look at Leezy. Nice. <laughs> Look at that. Check out the big That's brain on Leezy. But I mean, even even I'm treading super lightly here, but even in your assessment of um, and a, a lot of our and people can say like a lot of our relationship to Jewish people um, in terms of entertainment and so on and so forth is because other people would not uh, fund us in those ways. Um, and so they were willing to do business with us. Let me just say that. But I mean, like that can also play into what you just said about like their their positioning in the so-called conspiracy i don't believe it's them i don't believe they're above the people in the room mm. okay. okay they're the, they're 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 portrayed in this setting if you choose to believe that that's who they're supposed to be right as workers right. they're not in charge either okay that's a good i point agree too. with that yeah yeah i mean the chicken manager guy that's probably the closest to being in charge, but no, he's okay. he's still he's reporting. He's he's giving reports to someone above him. Oh yeah, he's super right. front line. He's mm-hmm. super right. So so Martin and Corey, y'all been a little quiet. Y'all got any sazon to add to this? In in regards to oh. who's in charge, um, I think that's part of the. I don't know. I think that's kind of part of it. Is that you don't you, you just never really know. I think that that's kind of part of the discussion that like sometimes it it's not always literally one person or you know there's always somebody somewhere trying to have their own version of this story mm-hmm. and this kind of oppression, you know that like no matter where you go, you kind of see it and it it hides it hides in plain sight. So I, I, I think agree. That, that it's not very quantifiable. Both. To you know, argue who is the leader of uh, you know white white oppression, right? <laughs> you know, uh, so there. I mean, some of the things that they explore in terms of like, mm-hmm. especially introduction of, of drugs into our community, that was the government, and that's not like a question. We know that yeah. that happened, right. um, but I do agree with you, Corey, that there's like this this shapeless blob of like they that sits atop this hierarchy. Um, in these conspiracies, I think like in certain facets we can identify who that is, and and like you said, in others we can't. Yeah. And the concept of everybody having a boss is uh it happens a couple of times, and 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 it's not not identified like the the character Nixon. He tells Fontaine everybody has a boss, and then if you hear the conversation that um the soul controller is having when Fontaine um walks into the room, he's on the phone with an authority figure explaining the, the the where they stand in, in the experiment at the time. The efficacy mm-hmm. of the drug, yeah. Uh, yes. Man, it's deep. Well, what, what I really like about th- this ideology of like, um, you know, OG Fontaine sort of being like, Brandon, we, me and you had a conversation about this and it, it basically saying it like, uh, or was it me and Mario? I can't remember. But th- that that he's at the top of, He's at the top of um, Fontaine's plight, right? Like Fontaine's journey. OG Fontaine is like the, the pinnacle of his journey, right? Like in terms of like who the problem is, right? Um, you know, me being, you know, I I, I study and, and, and revere Garvey, you know what I'm saying? Marcus Garvey, the teachers of Garvey. And I think one of the unwritten principles 
it's all about like uh, radical responsibility for our communities, you know, uh, you know, pull your money together, buy black, support black, you know, uh, foundations and, uh, you know, th you know, just buy black. We have to take radical responsibility for our community. And I think part of an unwritten uh, sort of like law of that is like when it comes to responsibility, we have to take the fiscal responsibility, but we also have to take the we have to take ownership of the problem as well. Right. So it's like. You know, sometimes we identify as like the man being the ultimate problem, but we all have a part to play in it. And it's like taking responsibility for our part to play in the destruction of our communities. And I think that that's like an unwritten, unwritten principle of Garvey. And and that's why, to me, I like that, like O.G. Fontaine was at the top of his plight. But they made it known that like it's, it doesn't stop here. There's more to it. But there is a it, we play a huge part of it ourselves, you know, um, um, and, and we and, have the power to stop ourselves from behaving that way. There you go. Like to me, to me, that was a big part of the brilliance of this film is that it didn't just make it wasn't just the man, you know. Uh, it was the man and 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 cast of supporting I, characters. I, it was. Really it like didn't your, the hate you give the fuck out of us at the end of yeah. it. <laughs> I like the the statement though of like you know, your own, your plight trajectory, you know, like uh, you hear that often in a lot of these stories, the man, you know, the, the man, right? Mm -hmm. But like everybody kind of has their own version of that and they're not all united. So it's like, you're right, like you said it good with the, the trajectory of plight and then the blob of like the man and they, you know, like if, you know, I imagine, you know, many, many people just have their own different story of what it means to been to have been oppressed or attempted to have been oppressed by the man. Right. So, and it's going to look different for everybody. Yeah. So. I think that's part of the genius of Wall Street, to be honest, you know, and, sh and, the, and the term shareholders is because like, you know, once you own a share, you become part of that, you know, beneficiary, you know, beneficiary sort of like conglomerate. So when you say the shareholders and like, you know, CEOs, and the people within a specific organization to be holding to the shareholders that, you know, that that blood spills on a lot of different hands. You know, it, it may be an organization like BlackRock that owns the majority of shares or a big chunk of shares. But that's also Joe Blow, you know, blue collar workers, people that are investing in stock markets, you know, your independent fucking 401k, traders. my guy. You never there even you know what you're paying for if you're not paying attention. Yeah, it, make, it makes a lot of people complicit and it kind of it kind of makes it hard to throw the dart at a specific place. Because, you know, the, the, the feathers are everywhere, you know, and I think that's part of the genius of Wall Street to me in, in corporations and stocks and shareholders is that like it makes everybody complicit. Everybody has a has a, a potential um, contribution to the issue. Well, to heart back on your statement about, you know, where to go in the chaos. I mean, in a weird way, that's that's a little bit of how I felt about the film, too, as watching it. You mm. know, there's just this kind of. Kind of. You know, in a weird way, you know, earlier I mentioned it being kind of a negative thing, but it can be artistically kind of a good thing to show like this, this constant beratement of things coming from different places and confusion. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it definitely can be spun in that way as well. Yeah, that's what I was going to say about yeah. your comment about that earlier to mm -hmm. me, that it, your, your complaint about it contributed to the genius of it to me yeah. is that it found a way to sort of like pick up all these pebbles and put them all in a jar. And, and It's up to you. Sorry, could you? Uh, you I mean, it's up to your interpretation, too. I mean, we've definitely seen films that just are just they're trying to make every frame, every dialogue, everything this deeper than rap moment, you know, and it's just, you know, sometimes you go, yeah, that's cool. And other times you go, you're reaching. And then I think the dis 
the unfairness to a film is that if, if it gets too much, then then your message is lost. Well, you know, I mean, like, Corey, yeah. to be fair, though, yeah. like the things that they're talking about and all the yeah. all the things converging on that, like that's what it's like for a lot of us to be black. There you, there you so go. like it may for it may feel. Oh, well, sure. <laughs> um, all of us. Sure. Yeah. Um, but like the. At, at to your point, Brandon, at varying levels, we're experiencing. Yep. We are all experiencing all, it all at varying levels. So, like, um, maybe I'm over overwhelmed by this facet of it, by not this one, but I'm still overwhelmed. And so, yeah. like, the same way you felt overwhelmed, like, we're, we're it's intentional. It's not like it's meant to put you at at a sense of unease because, like, that's what we're feeling. Yeah. These things I are coming at me I, all day long, every day. I respect that. I respect that. And, and, you know, to go back to where Trita started this conversation with talking about the plight and like the directions where they stop, you know, with the soul controller, Fontaine's, you know, top guy and whatnot. Um, and even like with Corey's assessment, I get it. Um, but one of the things that I walked away from the movie thinking to myself was, wow, this movie was loud. And it was loud in a way that I was kind of proud of. Um, but at the same time, as I'm sitting here listening to you guys talk, it, it, it dawned on me that because Corey made the comment that you have many oppressed people, you have many people going through many plights that don't have black skin um, in this country and in the world. Oh, no. I, well, I didn't. Uh, I didn't say that. But. No, no, no. no <laughs> OK, you, I, no, no. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm, I got to be take... I got to be careful these days, man. <laughs> nah, I, I, I get you. I get you. People, so, so, people have been mad yeah, so, at me. So. OK, so, I mean, so, what he so said was not stopped. offensive. I know. Hey, it, I'm just making yeah. sure here. <laughs> but but where where you stopped was just saying yeah, that yeah, many yeah. people have many plights. Yeah, yeah. Um what what dawned on me is as it pertains to being black in America specifically, what's different about our plight and other people's plights, and not not necessarily the plight, but how it's communicated to the world, is that ours is always done like in front of everybody. Like like the conversations that we have about what we feel like we need to do to overcome and move forward. Like you have communities like, you know, a Korea community or Filipino community. They, they move in unison and they have problems that they, you know, have to fix and try to fix. But I, I think like relative to the movie and how loud the movie was, it's kind of relative to the way that we have our discourse about black issues. Mm. It's always, it's always an open door for everyone to see. And I think, I think in real life, I think that kind of hurts in a way because if you really do have an opponent and they're in the film room with you, mm-hmm. makes it pretty easy to come up with a counterplay. I can see Just your point thought. there. I can see your point there. I mean, the the biggest pushback I'll give is when it comes to like the NOI. That's why I think to me, I love the way they move the most out of everybody. You know, they they. I mean, they've done all the suppression themselves by suppressing, you know, just Farrakhan in general. So, like, they they have to move underneath, underneath the, you know, underneath the, the, the you know, mainstream, and and they deal with things in a very confined fashion. Well, uh, that would that would be my only pushback for real. Well, and to- but that, but the NOI, that's like if you pro- if you ask twenty people about NOI, like probably two out of twenty. 20 random black people, two out of 20 would even be able to have an intelligent conversation with you about uh-huh. <laughs> That's exactly what that, I'm saying. That's what he's saying. The point is, yeah. and, and to your point, Brandon, um, I think that's why there's a concerted effort not to identify a leader of, mo- of movements like as of late. 
um, so that the target is always moving. Yeah. I, I, th- I think yeah. we're kind of in different places because I'm not saying that we should identify a leader. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing oh. with you. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> she, she, I'm, she, I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying that you. I'm saying that because people have seen in the past where like discussing things in public, there there becomes like a countermeasure to it and it's easy to swoop up. And so like as as a as a pushback against that, as a way to um avoid that, that's one of the tactics is not to identify a leader because then they don't know who to target specifically yeah. and who to silence. Decentralization. Yeah. And I did actually mean when I said many people, I did actually mean many black people have plights. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, actually, baby, you ain't gotta, exactly, you ain't gotta clean mean, it up. Yeah, I did actually mean that. So okay, yeah, you gotta M- clean many it people up. who are not black have plights too. Uh, <laughs> I know they do, yeah, including so, white people. Yeah. So, no, so, you know that was they just don't have the plight of yeah. being black. Am I the only, y'all gonna call me a liar? But am I the only one that was running around here before this movie came out singing the alternate version of "I think these niggas clone Tyrone"? I was doing that like four weeks I before the film came out. I thought you had more things to do with your time, sir. Huh, no, but I mean, can't answer a text, but he can come up with whole fic- fan fiction. I mean, <laughs> you know, you know to me, it was something that I held dear to my heart, and I was like, man, there's there's probably no way they did it, but to me. Just you know, the word Tyrone. Obviously, if you've ever heard, you know, called Tyrone, that's gonna be the biggest reference to it. So you know, to me, I was already remixing that. So to hear it at the end of the film, I was like, these niggas thought of every. And I'm and I'm rounding this point out. I was like, these niggas thought of everything. And to Corey's point, you know, the, you, you know, kind of like being so like loud and all over the place. I found myself saying that they buttoned up and spoke about so many issues so efficiently in this film. And it seemed like everything was so intentional and I'm about to cross over into a very uh, um, controversial space real quick. And I hope y'all follow me here. They did everything so well at a high level that I found myself questioning that is what happened to Jamie Foxx. Was that real or a publicity stunt? I'm not going there with you. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that it, I, I'm on the side of, that something happened to that brother and and my heart goes out to him. But all I'm saying is they did everything at such a high level in this film that I found myself questioning that like, wait a minute, did that actually happen or was that a publicity? And I understand because you know, people started talking about him being cloned. Is that what you mean? I mean, it's not necessarily because the conversation everybody else is having to me, it's a stupid conversation. Like, clearly, he's not a clone. But right. what what I found myself saying is that like the incident and him being under the radar of the media and sort of popping out when the film came out, I found myself saying one of two things: either this was a very untimely coincidence coincidence that that worked in favor of the film, or this was some genius fucking marketing that didn't cost too much of anything and had a very you know, profound impact because everything else in the film is handled so well from the soundtrack to, to them remaking clone Tyrone, you know, remaking call Tyrone as clone Tyrone, all these little small pockets of things. I was like, it's, it's controversial to say it, but I mean, I'm, I'm just going to be a free thinker and say that, like, I don't think it's, it's fucked up as it is, especially for Jamie Foxx. What, what I'm actually saying is, is sort of like just giving, giving appreciation to the like the craftsmanship of this film in every direction that I wouldn't be surprised if that was a publicity stunt however I do not feel like it was a publicity stunt am I making any sense here I don't, right. I don't think right, this movie 
I don't think this is like a big budget enough movie to pull like some stuff like that for real. I don't even think this was on enough people's radar. I mean, maybe that supports your point, but I don't I don't see black people doing that. Like but the, the point he's making like is that, that movie oh my bad. Oh no, go ahead. No, I was saying the point he's making is that the movie was executed in a way that that could make you think that. Not not that it actually happened or that right. you know, like that part is not important, but the the movie was ex- executed so well that that the occurrence cause could cause you to think that. Right. Right. Yeah. That's I mean so so to to what you said, Martin, was actually to my point is like, you know, there's not a huge marketing budget for this film, so is there something that can be done that puts it in the in the in the sphere of a certain conversation? But I again I, I'm very aware that this is controversial territory, but I you know, I thought this is a podcast that could speak about all things, you know what I mean? So I feel I felt like this is a perfect place to bring it up and in an intelligent conversation to be able to have some pushback <laughs> if somebody has some pushback. But if y'all don't want to touch it, I, I think they that. would much rather have Jamie Foxx doing press like up until <laughs> right. the strike rather than doing like a story where he like fakes a stroke and an injury and I didn't out of I also just didn't see a big connection, you know, like, you know, when, I mean, arguably, you know, some actors, they die before their movie comes out and that becomes the big topic. But like, I, I, I didn't see a lot of, oh, Jamie Foxx's new movie. He's been like, uh, you know, a no show for a couple months for some reason. Like, I, I didn't, I didn't see a big connection between those, those two things, well, you know. I don't know who you looking at on social media, but yeah. one thing black people well, and one thing black people gonna do is get these jokes off. So they immediately yeah. started saying he was cloned. Yeah. So yeah, like that that was a thing. Um, and I get what Treasy's saying. He's saying the execution of the movie made him go, wait a minute. But like, exactly now we don't actually think that was a thing. He Yeah. N- n- I'm glad not, he's better. Not, there you go. Me too. But but sometimes you know, the when something happens to an actor, whether it's even in their personal life or or their health, uh, good and bad, I mean, it, it affects the movie's reception. It affects the movie's rollout. It affects everything. It can be, you know, it can even boost a movie to yeah, some Paul degree, Walker. or it can, yeah, or it can kill a movie like The Flash. You know, um, that's a whole nother combo because mm-hmm. DC really killed that, but. Um, <laughs> You know, but still, like I, I didn't, I didn't do any, I didn't see a lot of connecting that made me feel like this film is either doing really well or not really well because of Jamie Fox and his situation. It right. felt very, it felt very disconnected, in my opinion. Well, also, I'm gonna tell you another reason why that jumped out, and we we didn't talk about it too much on this pod, I don't think. But did y'all see season three of Dave? No, I've it's. I've been only on watched an episode of it. Huh? I've only been watched on one episode. Right. Mm, okay. I haven't checked in at all. And it's and it's on your queue list. Um, yeah, record. I mean, I I like Dave. I just I've got about four other shows I got to burn through before right. I catch, catch and, Dave. And Brandon, you never seen Dave, correct? Still haven't checked it out, but based on what you said, I'm definitely going to watch it. So there is two episodes in Dave that speak to exactly what I'm saying that happened to Dave in the show. That okay. you you know what I'm saying? Where it was like. There was an incident, and everybody thought David died, and they used it to their advantage to recoup for album sales. So, but it, so that was the that was the third dimension of the conversation, where it's just like, you know, there was a and 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 it, and it dealt with the, it dealt with the, the stupidity of it, and it also dealt with like the fucked up nature of it. Where like, if somebody were to do that, that would be kind of fucked up. Um, right. So it it right. it, 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 gave, it gave it it gave it a platform to really look at it. 
some of these things with a little bit more like open mindedness that like, yo, it's really not outside of the sphere of possibility. But uh, but I'm with y'all in this case. I do not believe and I just want to be clear about this. I do not believe Jamie. Jamie Foxx is not a clone. And I do believe the brother went through a serious health scare. And I'm super glad as as a former Jamie Foxx hater. I'm super glad the brother's OK and um and able to to get his flowers for, you know, his contribution to this film. <laughs> say less my nigga I forgot that there's a whole modern day reference say less my nigga <laughs> say less um um do y- y- y'all want to kind of get into some of the uh so some of the tropes just do we want to get a little bit down and dirty on some of the tropes of like the the church specifically like the, the hallelujah the church, the church of connection I know Brandon got something he wanted he a sermon he wanted to deliver no pun intended go for it yeah, so that so I was I was just about to bring up two uh things and one was gonna be the IHS and the other one is is another alphabet alphabets that go together. I hope we can talk about that. I know some things when we might be out for sure. But anyhow You ain't said your last name. You say whatever you want to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um so I grew up going to church a lot. So that saying um it pulled a lot out. But the main thing, the biggest thing in that scene, and I'm not sure if it stood out to you guys, but you know when they took the key card, well, when Jesus was pointing at the at the altar, right? And, and he pointed him straight to where you swipe the key card and go down into the, the, the laboratory. Did, did anybody notice the letters that were on the cloth that he picked up? Mm-mm. So there, there's a, a monogram uh, that... Are, that it's probably in pretty much every church that you mm-hmm. go into on the cross, on the altar, yeah. and on the on the cross, and it says IHS, mm-hmm. right? And and I never knew what that meant. I just know Me it's, it's ubiquitous. It's ubiquitous. Is it in his name? Right? Say again. Is it in his name? Is that what it is? That, that's that's one of the that's one of the uh, the myths that it stands for in his in his. Did you say his name? Oh is wait, it yeah, it is. Yeah, IHS. IHS. Oh yeah, that's not his. It is a, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 a few of them that 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 are not real. Um, but what it's what it's what it is is a shorthand for the name Jesus in Greek. Oh. Okay. And 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 the S was changed later because that S is actually a sigma, and it actually is in Greek. And if you think about it, and I and I, when you try to look up information on this, it it's not going to directly say that. This is a fraternity, but we know that all fraternities have three-letter monograms that are written in Greek. So when you look at the scale and the power of, of the church itself, what, what the Christian coalition is and, and the scale of it, it, it's totally believable to me when you, when you know that pretty much everything else that, that, um, that has any power has three letters, USA, CIA, FBI. Um, they they all go by these monograms. So I thought that that was that was pretty wild um, to associate the Christian movement with a fraternity. There you go. Okay. Anybody else? A, a, a fraternal order. And a, a fraternal order, right? So so so, what's the relation to that in this film to you? Is there like is there a correlation, or is that just kind of like uh, on a, on an island on its own? Oh oh yeah. Um, 
the the correlation is 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 power and organization. Like I mean, that's what fraternity fraternal orders are about. They're about power and control. And I mean, there there are many things that you can bring up, or or any other entities, or many other that you can bring up that have more power than, than Christianity. Mm-hmm. And and not only that, um, when you look at the position that Christianity plays in our in the control system in the move, you know, mm-hmm. in that scene where he says, it don't matter if you if your light bill is due, it don't matter if your son gets shot down in front of the Dairy Queen, mm-hmm. like that 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 mind control um and following that entity is is pretty powerful. And I and I think I think that's what the I think that's why they pointed out that IHS is to show you this is the symbol that goes with the symbol that you think you, that you think that you did follow. Right. Right. You know what? This, this is just like we had the conversation about who was at the top. Uh-huh. I, I, I think, I think that was a direct, Jesus was pointing and saying, that's yeah. it. This is, this, this, oh, I see. This that, is at the top. That's of why Jesus was pointing at it. That, Interesting. That's it. It ain't, it ain't this cross. It's IHS. Right. Right. And and even like the way the way that the that the elevator came up is is almost easy to imagine that this was the headquarter. Like this was the headquarter main entrance entryway for for this for this entire. Well, you know, there was like a they showed like a map and I I can't remember how it fit into it. C- Central Concourse. The, the Central Concourse. There you go. And at the end of the movie, that's where everybody emerged. That's what the there. the news reporter was saying that they came out of the church. There right. it is. There it is. So okay. So I'm with you now, Brandon. I'm with you on that. I'm with you. I on want that. you. I, I want you to ask the director because you went to the bottom of the ocean. Mm-hmm. Man. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> hey, shout out to what's the director's name? Jules uh, Taylor. Yeah, Jewel Taylor. Mm-hmm. Jewel Taylor. Yeah. Hashtag. That brother's a genius. I'm gonna tell you what stuck what stuck out to me in that sermon was when he was like, you know what he wants out of each and every one of you obedience mm-hmm. obedience so and, and, yeah. i mean to brandon's point though um i won't deny that like religion is a means of control it's just that depending on your cultural affiliation um within american society at large like there's a there's a different entity influencing what you should be believing mm. to a degree um politically well, <laughs> I'll say that. Oh, yeah. so, so, but then, so I mean, we, it just—it's not a thing because I know it's—I know like in a lot of conversations we have um, about um, right-wing conservatives and how the church is being used to like influence them to vote against their own interests in favor of capitalism. Um, mm-hmm. That I don't think that that happens necessarily as specifically in the black community, but the church is definitely used to influence us politically. Like that's happening to us too. Yeah, the churches I grew up in told me to do exactly what uh, David Allen Greer was doing. What 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 he was telling the congregation—that's the message I got. Uh, it's it's fine to be broke, you know. Just wait, and everything's gonna be okay. Right. That's wow. exactly that's exactly what I. I mean, you know uh, what? It's funny because I'm now I'm thinking that if some people that I grew up with in church hear me, you know, say say that, they'd be like, "Man, that's how you feel." But yeah, <laughs> that's that's how you I took know. from it. That's I mean, listen. I yeah. Sometimes the message is for you. <laughs> okay. Right. right. That's real talk. <laughs> as much as you receive it. <laughs> yeah. That's real talk. So I, I would love to get into y'all's 
parallel theories about what who OG Fontaine, the sole controller, the man who created the technology of cloning, what he represented, who he represented, or what he represented to y'all. Like I know Lizzie, you would hit me with a text with a theory. Uh I think I think you gave me Brandon's theory, and I think Brandon is probably right, but I was relating it to someone popular now. So I would actually prefer that you give his theory first. <laughs> which which theory is did I give? I gave a theory that was my theory. Oh, it's yours. Okay, never mind. That, yeah, that was that was my theory. My bad. Don't, I was giving that get, to Brandon. Give, give me was that it? credit. I or think it was, was my theory. Huh? I think you told him my theory. Okay, what was your theory? You you explain your theory. I'm you? trying to remember right now. Okay, so I'll explain <laughs> that my theory. That means you talk a lot. <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll explain my theory. To me, OG type, if anybody has any friends that are in the Nation of Islam or Five Percenters, then there's a term, there's a name uh, in, in their teachings of the name Yaqub. And Yaqub, you know, like NOI and both NOI and Five Percenters, they believe that the, the original man is the Asiatic black man. So, you know, that there's like a whole thing that comes after that that I don't I don't study my 120, so I can't really. I mean, also you know, science re- says that. Go ahead. Regurgitate <laughs> that. Right, right. But like, they, you know, they, they so but what what they believe is that like you know whiteness was created in a laboratory like literally created in a laboratory by by a a, a figure of the name Yakub and I, of course I don't study this man so like if I'm getting any of the nuances wrong I'm doing the broad strokes here don't come for me don't come for me five percenters but Yakub was basically a a, a a scientist that created the white race um, and he had his own righteous cause for why he did it, but he did it. He created the devil basically is like, is, is how they put it. And so to me, OG Tyrone, the soul controller represented Yakub, you know, where he was, where he was on a mission to, you know, expand whiteness, you know, at the expense of blackness in a laboratory you know, uh, literally. So that, that's what I took from that. And, and I, and I, I got shout out to my, shout out to my brother, Mario. I got him to uh, watch the film by saying, yo, I think there's a Yakub reference in here, my brother. And he somewhat agreed with me. He was like, he saw, you know, he saw the connective tissue. Um, so that was my theory about who, who OG Fontaine represented. In the beliefs of the nation of Islam, Yakub was a black scientist who lived 6,600 years ago and began the creation of the white race. Yeah. I don't oh, know. Shout that. out to him. I don't know. <laughs> You're funny. I don't know. That. <laughs> I believe that, but I don't know that I believe. Well, I know that I don't believe that. I'll just say that. Um, it's sure. not where I believe white people come from. However, um, I do believe that that is what they are saying in this movie. Oh, hold on, hold on. You don't think that I was saying that I believe Yaku. I was saying that that's the parallel. Like, I'm not... I know that you didn't say that. You oh, said, okay. you said you kinda, what you I kinda, just re- said. You kind of regurgitating it like... like, like No, I'm making different. it clear because y'all be trying uh-huh. to hotep shea butter me way more than I actually am in real life. <laughs> uh, okay. And so I'm making it clear that that's not a belief that I actually hold. Okay, gotcha. But I do believe that that's a representation um, that he was going for. I don't think that that conclusion was meant to be drawn by accident. Right, by accident. Okay, okay. 
All right, so so break out the rest of y'all theories, nigga. Well, <laughs> I, I, I had a what, what you just said makes a lot of sense, um, and it's really it's really good. Um, <laughs> I went with um, I don't have I don't know if I'm using the right words, but I went with like he's the embodiment of what he's what they want the clones to be, right? It's like he's the representation of what ultimately they want the product to end up being. And that's why they're like, okay, well, you've become this specimen. You, you've checked all the boxes and now we want you to make a whole bunch of you. And that's the only way to make this happen, right? In, in, in the big picture of the, of the mission. Just for you so to work with like, us, yeah. Yeah, it's like, all right, we found someone that we, all our tricks worked. Everything worked on this one dude, you know, the man. The man, you know, managed to get one dude to conform and fall in line and they said make more of you and obviously he potentially can never be white so they've got that's like one extra step with the cloning process but i kind of looked at it that way mm. as like you're just the embodiment of what we were what the man was trying to accomplish they yeah so Corey, that's so. perfect what you just said yeah. because i watched this and i was like that nigga is clarence thomas mm. okay say more I mean, just based on what he just said, Clarence Thomas, uh, if you know anything about him, he started off as like a pro-black revolutionary and then became what he is. Um, so just based on what Corey just said, um, that's basically where he arrived. And when and it was the same thing. He said assimilation is better than annihilation. And it's like, I don't, I think he experienced something he doesn't want for the rest of us. Um, and so he he works to try to get the rest of us in line. So, so explain to, just in case there's some listeners that don't know who Clarence Thomas is, just explain who he is. The Supreme there, court justice. Our, our listeners don't know who Clarence Thomas is. There's a possibility, Lizzie. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I'm not saying that they don't. I'm just saying in case there's some that don't know who Clarence he Thomas was the is. second, uh, black Supreme court ju justice ever appointed. Um, and, uh, to the court and he replaced Thurgood Marshall who was had like, opposites like counter beliefs to everything that um thomas would support mm -hmm. um and the republicans put him in place was that in the 90s i feel like it was yeah i feel mm -hmm. like it was the 90s and so i mean he i mean he just voted against affirmative action and he benefited from it mm -hmm. so i mean oh, yeah Okay. There have been lots and lots of someone I sat down and talked to. There have been lots and lots of, again, like, I don't think that, uh, I know what, I know what I believe and what I do and do not support. And I have the right to change my mind. Um, but the news outlets that I follow, which are relatively liberal have made like a pointed effort, um, post the, um, affirmative action, um, being struck down as unconstitutional, they have made a very pointed effort to make sure that his story is told, like over several outlets. I had a conversation with someone who's like, I heard this podcast. And I was like, oh, I heard that. Did you hear it on this podcast? And they were like, no, I heard it on this podcast. And it's like, all of it's NPR, <laughs> right? And so like, I don't, I don't think that it just stopped there either. Like they're making, the left wing is like making it a point to tell us about him. Mm. Um, so, you know, that's some level of programming that's like right in the front of my mind that I'm seeing illustrated through this man 
And mm-hmm. I mean, Corey saw the same thing. He just didn't see like, he just didn't connect it to like an actual person mm-hmm. yeah. um, who functions in our government. Right, right. Okay, okay. Martin, so, I know you had some, I know you had some conceptual uh, possibilities. Oh, for um, OG Fontaine? I mean, mm-hmm. I, w- I definitely would agree with Lisey. I think Clarence Thomas is like a really good, uh, a uh, really good avatar for um, Fontaine or OG Fontaine. I mean, th- there's a lot of uh, black people. I I think you could apply this to. I think sure. you could definitely apply it to uh, Candace Owens. I, I think don't. She was, <laughs> She's well, a snake she oil was, salesman. I don't think well, she yeah, believes any she of that is. shit. <laughs> I don't think she does. <laughs> but like in college, she was like a member of the Black Student Union. She was more pro pro black. She actually dealt with like a lot of racism in college, and actually, I think sue the university um so yeah it's she's like, rachel she, she's a snake oil. yeah <laughs> right That's he's very much a snake oil salesman i mean i think she believes some of that stuff now i right. think she's she been in it so sure. long that like i don't i don't i think she like she convinced herself like i think she figured out a way to make money and she's committed to that i don't think she's she's not stupid by That's any a means possibility too yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe she drunk the grape drink I almost want to beep her name out. I don't like saying her name out loud. Yeah, I don't Freaking like saying it either. But that was the name that came to man? No. Just, she kind of is. Just, it, like, the more you say her name, the more... Relevance like, the person It's keeps. like Voldemort. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, I mean, we talked about this. The more you talk about someone publicly, you, yeah. you broaden their platform. Because someone who doesn't know who that is, who's listening to us, is Googling. It's like, anytime I see her post, like, on, like, a like a aggregate media site on social media, like something she says about Kwanzaa or, or black history or just some random like black person down. Like, why would you even put that up there? Cause that engagement is just going to give her more power. Like, I, when black people do that, I'd be like, take this down. I hate that. Yeah. Don't click uh, on it. Wait, take I, it down. <laughs> You're keeping her still, relevant. We still, we still talking about her though. Right. Crazy. <laughs> We're talking no, about but, how to interact with her, which I really that, want to beep her name out. <laughs> yeah, you mean beeping her name that, out. The the pot the pocket that you just kind of put us in with, um, you know, who does he represent? Which, to be honest, I feel like I had a, and Lizzie must be right. Maybe I talked too much, but I feel like I did have a great theory on that. But I can't mm-hmm. remember it because you told me that she said Clarence Thomas, and I was like, nah, she's not right. And then mm-hmm. I told him what I thought, but now I don't have that anymore. Yeah. But. But what? But I didn't what, say you talk I, too I much. I said you talk a lot. <laughs> you did. You did. I too talk a lot. It's okay. I listen to them. But one thing I think is extremely important about this film is, or extremely important about the way that we communicate about it, is most of the references in this film that we're looking at, they have they have real life versions of what we're looking at on film and this movie mm-hmm. is so deep that you know we can get artsy and, and have these conversations about the techniques and what these metaphors mean um but i think it's also very important for us to see the what they're trying to get us to see the real life versions of this stuff and respond in a way that's gonna help us to not produce more clothes mm-hmm. um but i say that to say i'm, I'm curious to know if you all took the very first yeah the very first couple minutes anyway of the movie um, as the actual, I saw that as the actual real life way that clones are being produced. Uh, if you remember when uh, uh, the little boy pulls up to the store and he's looking for Fontaine and he's 
finds him and then they're riding in the car. That scene is how the clothes are made. Because you have a little boy riding in the car with somebody who he looks up to. He's asking him questions. He wants to know what he thinks about the things that he's thinking about, like SpongeBob. And, you know, he's 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 gauging himself. He's coding himself mm-hmm. um, off of his interaction with Parte. So um, I, I think that's for me as an entertainer as I am by the movie. I think that's the most important thing to walk away with if we want to do something about all of the BS that we, <laughs> you know, that that we go through with them continuously cloning you know, kids walking around with World War II weapons, you know, shooting shooting each other up. Right. I mean, okay. I, I think you're right. I think that that's, that's a pivotal scene that I didn't think about that way. But you're absolutely right. And so so much so that um, the kid's like, I'm tired of snitching. When you going to put me on? Like, he wants mm-hmm. to be like him. Yep. Mm-hmm. Man, it's like you. moonlight. It's like wine in the shower room. No, no bull, no bull for sure. Yo, I, I was thinking Michael from The Wire. Yeah. Mm. And 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 um, Dookie. Dookie, yeah, yeah Dookie. Dookie yeah. So I I posed a question to Brandon, man, and I and I want to throw it at y'all. Um, and I know this is a very small part of the film, but I I, I want to get y'all's y'all's takes on this. Okay, so we saw that the you know we we had a realization that the mother was not in that room. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a recording that was basically on a loop. Did current day Fontaine know that she was not in there or was that a shock to him when he kicked the door down? I think it was shock. It was a shock to him. It was a shock. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's say you, Lizzie. No, I don't think he realized that nobody was behind the door, but I think at a certain point, like, he was so programmed to go about his day the way that he had gone about it and just to accept what was in front of him that he didn't bother to check. Yeah. Okay. I, you know, he had to be woken up to even question what was around him. What was around? Right. Right. And, and you know, what's interesting, man, you know, I had, we hovered, I think, you know, me and uh, Brandon kind of double clicked on that conversation, man. And like, it, th- there was that that one I didn't realize how impactful th- that scene was for me you know what I'm saying because that's kind of like I, I want to say this and I want to make sure I'm saying this and and, and and not saying this in a disparaging way to my mother because you know my experience was way bigger than this you know what I'm saying but there was a there was a big portion you know my mother was a single mother raised two boys worked very hard and a big portion of like um um her coming home from work was sort of like her just decompressing in her own room, you know, locking that door, decompressing in her own room. And that was, that is a huge part of how I remember my childhood is like, there was a separation between us that, you know, that, that, that her bedroom door, um, you know, I, I, I would ask her questions through the door. You know, I would, I wouldn't, she wouldn't say open the door, come in. You know, I have to ask her questions through it. She would, she would bark orders through it. You know, that, you know, there was that clear division, that divider between our interaction. Um, And and so part of me was like, man, I feel like Fontaine kind of knew she wasn't there. Because here's the thing, like, um, so clearly over time from OG Tyrone, the mother passed away. Right. So like, that's what that was about. She had passed away. So the memories that he gave her 
that he gave Tyrone. I mean, that he gave Fontaine. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make sure I'm wording this properly. Okay, he talked about how he gave Fontaine the memories of Ronnie. And like there were certain things that he shielded him from, right? Like the like how he had the white blood off of his face, you know, the dried up blood off of his face. So there is there is a protocol for how to pass on these memories. And you can sort of cherry pick what you share and what you don't share. And I feel like I feel like he never passed on memories of tangible interactions with the mother. It was always through that door. You're right. So there's a part of him that didn't even believe that she existed. I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I sort of ruminated on that man a lot because um, it's just interesting. I have more memories of divided conversation than I do of actual memories with my mom. And that's, that's my point of saying, it, you know, but I, I want to make sure I'm saying that my mother was a very, you know, she was a, a she was an amazing mother, single mother. She was a provider, man. She was a provider that was doing it all by herself. So, you know, that I have a lot of grace for it. I'm not saying that in a way that's like disparaging. I'm just saying that is the reality of my experience. Um, so it, I, I mean, your mom can say how she feels, but I, I don't think what you just said was necessarily disparaging, but I think it's a common experience that people with single mothers or hardworking parents in general might have. Um, it sounds like your mom's self-care was to just be by herself for a little while yeah, um but... forever you know and i not necessarily i didn't necessarily have that experience with my mother my father still does this he can't when it's time to he decompresses by himself in the garage and then mm -hmm. comes in and joins us for dinner the rest of the night um mm -hmm. but i do remember my best friend growing up her father traveled a whole lot and her her mom was a nurse and her mom would be upstairs and we would talk to her from the bottom of the stairs and there was a degree of of separation. I'm in the house with them. So, right. so like, I don't, that's not like a foreign concept to me at all. I do think, um, to your other point about which memories he chose to impart, I think it was very intentional that he was saying, I didn't give you the memory of cleaning up the blood mm -hmm. so that he, on the other side of that violence would not be affected in the same way. So it's mm. like that gave him the opportunity to be violent because he didn't have to see what the other side of that felt like. Right. Mm, That's what I think that bit of dialogue meant. I don't know if it had to do with him, his mother being on the other side of the door or not, but I think that that's what that specifically said. Like, I didn't give you the memory of having to clean any of this shit up so that you right. could keep doing it. Right. And whatever. Wow. I didn't even I, think I, about that. That's deep. I, th I think, you know, where you took us with the, with the being on the other side of the door with the mother, you know, I think you remember the conversation that we had about anxiety and the role that it plays in this movie. Oh yeah. Um, I think I think that that weaves right into it because, you know, single motherhood in black communities is you know, that's that's an integral part of it. You know, it's a lot of us are, are used to that, and um, you know, I think when you look at especially when you go into the lab, and you see. Uh, you see the black, you see the man, you know, beating against the beating against the wall. Um, you see the two guys in there fighting. Um, you see the young girl sitting looking at these images. But she and one thing uh, that I noticed, like you don't, you you rarely see women in in groups in the movie, like like in behind none of those pods. Anywhere you saw a woman, she was by herself, mm. um, which I which I think was on purpose and speaks to the single motherhood and the isolation of 
women uh, away from men. Uh, and and you can see how that would produce a, a mother who comes home and doing it all by herself and she's absent or at least not emotionally available to, you know, her children. Mm -hmm. But I think that all ties into like anxiety, um, the theme of anxiety that they have throughout the movie, which I, I think they represent it in a lot of different ways. Like I think Frog is actually, um, which he's a super important character in the movie, one of my favorite characters. Same. Um, the the, I, the, the I, drunk, right? The mm -hmm. drunk yes, that, yeah. Frog drunk is sitting out in front of the um, liquor store every morning where he mm -hmm. goes there. Um, I think Frog represents uh, what anxiety does to probably a very talented and thoughtful man. Um, obviously, he was thoughtful. You listen to the things he said. He was the spirit guide of the movie. Actually, if you look up the spiritual representation of a frog, it's a spirit guide. That's what they represent. So that's mm -hmm. why it names that. But um, but yeah, I think I think he's that's that's why Fontaine um asked him the questions that he asked because he because he almost he saw himself in it you know like cause when he said how do you do it he asked him man how you do it bro because mm -hmm. he saw himself cracking just like bro mm. she's deep bro she's deep all right the, the, yeah. Martin Corey we put y'all to sleep man I put y'all to sleep no no. Uh, I just didn't go as deep with it. Uh, I, I always, when I watch a lot of these, I always assume there's kind of you know the the quick and easy way to interpret something, and then there's the, the much more sharper approach. And I just looked at it as you know disconnect of families, broken families, mm -hmm. that kind of element, just kind of real high level on that. You know, this this kind of disconnect from what you're doing. I, I I've seen that in a few of these stories where it's like. You know the son is is out is in the streets, but the the mom's at home, and there's like this just this disconnect between the street life and the home life. You know what I mean? Like, right. and that's I kind of just went with those two kind of themes that just this kind of a literal disconnect from what's going on. Okay. Hey Corey, I'm, yeah. I'm I I have to. There's no way I can let that pass. And this is not personal in any type of way. Mm -hmm. But to go back to what was said about. Lizzie, you look, you look afraid. Of what about to nah, say? I don't know what you're about to say. That's why I'm a little afraid. Uh, listen, listen, and and before, before you uh, answer yeah. that question, yeah. I got feedback from someone that it is refreshing because we get deep and you'd be like, nah. <laughs> so someone <laughs> likes that about you. <laughs> so, um, no, uh, one, of, one of you just brought up, I think Lizzie was making, yeah, Lizzie, you were making the point that um, he made sure to not include the memory of his brother wiping blood, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and functionally that makes sense. You got to go out here and be a dope dealer. You can't be all sentimental about killing people. Um, and what and what Corey just said, where you like, and, and this just maybe the style of the way you watch a movie, but you know, you you say you know you looked at it high level, and you know single mothers, you know, kind of like bullet points, you know, all of which were valid. But I, I also, I think, as it pertains to what Black people have gone through in this country and the role that white people played in it in history, I think, I think that's kind of what the version of history that we have has done is like wipe the blood away. Mm. So, so that part is not remembered. And then, you know, in opportun when you have opportunities to like really, like really connect with 
be like what it would feel like. Not you, but when when you have opportunities to connect with the humanity of what black people have gone through, you know, when when you haven't grown up seeing the thousands of pictures that we have of black bodies hanging from from trees, it makes it easier to say, you know, it's over. You know what I'm saying? Like like let's let's just move on. But you we we have like the real life residual it, it's it's our ancestry. This it's it's in our DNA, you know. I, so I I just I think I think that part is important. And I didn't even think about that wiping away the blood and like what that meant. So I th- and I think I think that's what it means culturally. I think I think that the point can be made at a fine point and at a broader point, like you were just making that there's a sanitization of history, and that we're not shown um, the graphic images of how. Mm-hmm. Um, violent our country is and i mean oppenheimer kind of shied away from showing us pictures for for a very specific reason that i respect but like there's very much like uh i always say like we we treat america like it's a our football team that we're mm. that we're expected to cheer for um or or that's the expectation of how we should support um you know, America as a, as a, a, a socialist, as a, I'm sorry, not socialist, as a social experiment. Um, and that we should just cheer for it and whatever it does. Um, and, and a lot of people have the ability to do that because of what you just said, like a lot of America's history, um, hasn't impacted them the same way. And the blood is wiped clean, uh, um, for the version of history that they're presented with so that they don't have to feel guilty about benefiting from it. So, on, like I said, to the fine point and to the broader point, I think you're right. I didn't think about, I didn't even think about that. So thank you for that. Yeah. Which, which kind of overlaps with something that I found myself saying too, is that I felt, I, I felt like this movie was somewhat of a metaphor for CRT, for critical race theory, you know, it's, sort of like where, where, where that whole thing is going. Um, it's kind of like the testing grounds for it, you know? Um, so I, I saw, I saw a utility for what's happening now, like in this film, you know, um, and, and and where the merger, where the intersectionality is. So but you know, that's that's a that's a different podcast. That's a political podcast. Thank, but well shout out to Taylor Sheridan because they people need to see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Straight Bruce, up. Can, can can we talk about the fan? The the fan that the gangsters if, if, running if, around with. If you can do it real fast, because I'm sleepy, bro. Look, this is your first time zooming with us. Normally, by this point, I'm over here like, girl. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> okay, so uh, one one of one of what I feel like is the more more important uh, metaphors that they have in the movie is the feminization of black men. Um, the first thing that I noticed that I believe is representing that is you, you remember when, um, when Fontaine's, uh, his, 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 uh, what you call his goon, his, his Lieutenant, uh, comes to the door. He has a pizza box, walks in, sets it down. Um, and he sits down on the couch and he has one of those little fans that he's, that, you know, like he's hot. You remember Mm -hmm. that? Yeah. Okay. So, Lizzie, I, gotcha. I, I guess I'm looking. I'm looking right at Lizzie, yeah. trying to see if you. <laughs> but um, but yeah, but he, but he's he has this fan on, and, and Fontaine makes a comment like, "Yo, you look bad. Go on there and drink some juice." Really? Um, it's funny because I got the movie player right now, and he's blowing the fan on his. <laughs> but so so throughout the whole movie, he every time he's in a scene, he's blowing the fan on. Him. And my first thought was, 
because I see the femi- that, that the feminization of men in um in black culture. I was like, yo, that's that's menopause. When like why would a gangster mm-hmm. hold up? Why why tell me any other reason if you're not trying to make a point? Like, or give me any other point of why a gangster is running around in the streets. Picking people up. So, 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 and blowing a fan on themselves. You so, lost me, but go ahead, I, Tracy. I was, no, 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 no. Because no. when we first had the conversation, I, I said, I said, Brandon, I, I, I feel what you're trying to say. I feel like it's a reach, though, because there's a lot easier. There's a lot, to me, there's just a lot easier ways to prove that point. You know what I'm saying? Like, if they wanted to go there, they, they, they could have. I don't but know. I, I, say, I wasn't riding with you. But. I will say this though. Okay. It stood out to me. It stood out. Okay. That, okay. that stood out to me. And when watching a film like this, you know, I, like we, we talked about the presentation about it. And after a while, you your brain starts to go, I need to pay attention to every little thing. Mm-hmm. And and that sometimes that's very apparent in the first couple of minutes. Sometimes it takes a while. But like it stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Like and and looking back at the film, looking at all the things that we've talked about. It can't be because they wanted to. It, it it can't be because he was hot, you know. Like, right? Is it what you're saying? Who knows? I mean, the the director could come on here and tell us all we're full of crap, and we were wrong about half the things we said. But at the end of the day, it did stand out, and I I'm with you. Like, I cannot I cannot stand here and say that that was just because the gangster was was hot. I'm got you. So so here's so here's a question. I got a question. I got a yeah. question. Okay. Uh, who who is the top consumer of of that product that he's running around with? Women with menopause. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I think I think that's what that's what we. My see. mama got one. She plugging yeah. into her phone. My mama got five. <laughs> <laughs> My mama got five. I mean, yeah. I'm not. I, I get your point. You, listen, this nigga put Morse code. Yeah. Right. In this, I like, <laughs> I'm not putting anything past him. I'm just right. not choosing to jump on that one. I think I take yours, Lizzy, because I'm like, there's just a more overt way to do that. But maybe yeah. that's the that's the point. Is like we've we've seen it overt enough. We don't need to beat a dead horse. You know, we'll just put it in to, you know, whatever. I mean, he was but also. The, but, I mean, he was also fat. <laughs> so he was fat. also he was. a big dude. Yeah, but but you know what? The, the most glen. the it, most overt the most overt way that they um. That they did make that message was casting the guy from P P Valley. That's as, where. That's why I definitely said you was reaching Jay Alpha because he because he's just a good actor, bro. Making him he, the making I, him the um the other gangster, the, the lead gangster. Yeah. yeah, saying like like basically like the stereotype of that character bleeds over into this. Nah, he be nah. acting. Yeah, that nigga's really. You would have a whole ass wife. <laughs> no, 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 no. What you? No, I'm not. No, no I'm not yeah. saying. I'm not saying that no. he's a homosexual. Yeah, I'm saying that I'm saying that char- I'm saying the character that he played was so polarizing that casting him in that role I think was a statement in itself to the feminization of gang because his role in P Valley was clearly showing you the feminizing of black culture and gangster you know right. gangster well, culture would you have felt the same way if they casted like Trevante Rose? I don't know who that is. Uh, he's the black Moonlight. guy from Moonlight. The the the, the oldest the oldest version of Chiron from Moonlight. Yeah, I would I would have felt the same way, but I feel like it was it it, it was more relevant because he plays a gangster rapper on yeah. P Valley, and then you cast him as a gangster, and you know so the correlation yeah. is, is direct because we because we see him 
this I didn't know his name and and what I the way I referred to him to Treasy was the right. gay gangster from P Valley. From P -Valley uh, the rest yeah. of us say Lil Murder, but his name is J Alphonse Nichols. Because <laughs> so, yeah. I don't watch P Valley. <laughs> okay. But, 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 you don't but watch it, but, but you the, but you know you know that who he is. But that's the point I'm making. Is that his character is that large? It's just like it's plenty of characters that we have that they they supersede like. You know, you don't have to be a fan to know certain things about Pulp Fiction, you know, sure. because it's culturally, you know. Well, he's in the piano lesson. Hopefully we can see that he has some character variants and maybe not. He He's not in the Broadway version of it. I saw no, the Broadway he's in the, version. He, he in the was movie? in this one that just that just passed. The one with Samuel Jackson. He was on the Broadway version and he's in the movie. No, he wasn't. I went to, I went to see. I mean, maybe he wasn't in the one that I went to see, but he wasn't in that jank. He wasn't in it when you went to see it, but I promise you, J. Alphonse was in the piano lesson. Okay, okay. All I'm saying is the version <laughs> I saw, he wasn't in it. That's all I'm saying. Okay. But I got you. He I, I didn't know they were doing a movie. Yeah, yeah he they wasn't are. there that night. Mm -hmm. But um, that's dope. That's what's up. Okay. Well, Brandon, I think you're reaching, but I, I also think that, like, I also looked into... <laughs> Blow the whistle. You know, yeah. I also looked into uh, that the film was crafting. <laughs> the craftsmanship was so good that, you know, Jamie Foxx, you know, I questioned that. So I guess we all got a little reaching us. Um... Bet man. Well, I, I think I think we cracked this. I think we cracked the clones open. You know what I'm saying? Somebody Thank y'all for having me. I do have one quick question. Do you do you feel like Joel Taylor really feels this way about like the black community, or is like as far as like the food we eat, uh, the church, the music we listen to? Like, does he feel like all these things are destructive? I, yeah, I think he's clearly got to have an opinion on it. For 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 it to for him to make it a uh, but he he seems like someone so of the culture though that's the thing well I don't think the two are mutually exclusive same I think yeah I think that you could you can have a perspective on it and still be a participant within it you know what I'm saying it, I mean it's Very a trap true. that's all well, of our experiences as as Americans yeah, that's I yeah. guess what I have said several times is that like we can all point out what's going on but none of us are immune to it like none of us escape it at any point yeah I mean. I love Nuck a few bucks, so <laughs> exactly. Thank you it's for shit, that, Mark. And if I if I go to a church that plays back that ass up, I'm psh, nigga, I'm there. <laughs> yeah, Yo, you know what's, what's funny when I used to go to church is when I was really small and I would go to church, they would try to get kids indoctrinated in the church by like rewriting rap songs and then putting like gospel lyrics in them. Come on, dog. Like they did wow. that with Black Star. They did that with DMX. Jay Z, and, but we we I didn't listen to rap back then, so I thought all these were original songs. I was like, these niggas can rap. <laughs> and y'all thought wow. Kanye was an innovator. Yeah. No. Nope. I'm I'm most surprised that they used a Black Star track. Right. I was like, wow. With other names. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. That's funny, Corey. You were about to say something. I oh, I was. Know. I just interpreted as, you know, this weaponizing stereotypes. That's all. Mm -hmm. You know that you're you you know despite. You know, in all and many cultures, stereotypes are kind of true and not true, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and they're kind of these things, and, uh, and that's why I, how I interpret it. Just yeah. as this weaponized thing is that he picked them the top three, right. <laughs> you know, and, and said this is, and you know, one could argue, are are they weaponized or not? Yeah, they definitely. I'll be honest, I didn't dominance. even know perms do that to women. What I said? No, in the movie, the perm stuff. I had no, I didn't even know that was like a stereotype. There's a there's a correlation between um, fibroids and women who get hair relaxers. That's a thing. 
Oh, uh, but I don't there... think he. I don't think he, he weaponized the stereotypes. I think he showed you how they were created, mm. or how they. Were, yeah. Nice. Nice, nice. Well, listen, man. Leezy finna fall asleep. We uh we 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 I mean we did it, man. I, I hope I hope that the listeners learned something. Or at least, you know, we inspired a whole nother play. Watch it. I'll say watch this joint with uh with closed captions on. You know what I'm saying? You you'll you'll catch a lot. I know I caught a lot that way, but uh I think that's gonna do it for the day clone Tyrone. Again, Brandon, thank you for joining us. And thank um, y'all for having me. Yep. Yep. I'm glad I'm glad this movie bought us bought me and you out of retirement, Corey. Yeah. <laughs> I just haven't been showing up because um I have a strict policy that I don't show up if I haven't seen the movie. So oh, amen. You know. thank you for adopting Same. that policy. Same yeah. Here. I try not to. <laughs> but y'all be talking about Marvel shit and I gotta show up for it. So Hey man, mm-hmm. we just trying to make you better. Mm-hmm. You Let's still go. feel like Secret Invasion is great, Leezy. <laughs> that no said at all. Well, um, you know the vibes. Twitter, kind of movie crits, Instagram and Facebook, and would you say Threads now, Leezy? Mm-hmm. All at kind of movie critics. Uh, so you can tap in there if you want to extend the conversation. Um, but again, I hope I hope we inspired a, another replay of They Clone Tyrone with your third eye watching. Anyway, we call ourselves kind of movie critics because we kind of are, we're kind of not. Just a bunch of people who like to watch movies. This has been an On Ear Network production.